On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're back in the trenches with Martin Freeman and Daisy Haggard in Breeders, which returns to Sky Comedy, investigating a mystery at the 999 call centre in Control Room on BBC One, and, for reasons, going behind the counter at Sports Direct for footwear-obsessed sitcom Sneak Ahead on Dave. Plus... For those of you enjoying Sky's new comedy, The Baby, we have the star of that show, Michelle DeSwart, on this show, discussing what it's like to be Satan's childminder with Beth. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and one that has had to put all the ornaments away and hide the good china this week, because it's all going to kick off. Why? Because Breeders is back. Now, long-time listeners of this podcast <laughs> will recall two distinct occasions when Boyd has gone off the deep end. Uh, one, one was during a very spirited discussion about the Bells episode in the final season of Game of Thrones. The other, the other, was when we reviewed season one, a little show called Breeders, which I did <laughs> not enjoy, and my lack of enjoyment caused Boyd to go, I think, or can only be described as berserk. So, <laughs> as we return to Breeders, way at all. as we return to the show for its third season, the most pressing question really is, will Bielsa Boyd return? What? You know, and I, for one, am excited to find out. The other thing about Breeders, which you aren't mentioning, is that Terry White, formerly of this parish, yes. agreed didn't like it much either to start with, and then did a complete reverse she 180. Did, she did reverse ferret. Reverse yeah. ferret on it, and she now did. absolutely loves it because she is an intelligent woman <laughs> of taste. Yeah. I, can't, I can't help remembering, Boyd, that when she didn't like it, you did not yell at her jointly. and go berserk at her. I don't even remember going that berserk, but if you say so, but clearly it's had a scourge you for life. We got people writing in. We got people saying, is Boyd okay? Like, he went properly mad. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah. This was traumatic. <laughs> I mean, only because you, whatever absolute nonsense you were spouting about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. Well, yeah. anyway, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how this, no, this episode pans out. Uh, and here to witness the spectacle, of course, uh, along with Hellraiser Hilton, is the innocent bystander <laughs> Beth Webb. So, uh... Hellraiser Hilton. Absolutely brilliant. Oh. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, so it's all kicking off. It's all it's all trouble on the terraces in here. Um, I thought we were referring to the fact that we were when we were talking about it's all kicking off. I was thinking, oh, that's a topical reference to the fact that we're recording this on the very day the history is being made. Yeah. The government has yeah. fallen. The government's fallen. Prime Minister's resigned. But no, you're talking about okay. an obscure breeders' <laughs> review <laughs> three years ago. Never knowingly, not self-obsessed. Yeah. Now, look, 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 look. I mean, I, to be fair, like we're getting onto now what we've been watching, and I think mm. the answer to this for all of us is just the news. <laughs> yeah. the news. Because last night I was out at an event. I was at a ball in a very posh tennis club in Putney oh, yeah. and I should point out that what? I went to this ball and then first of all it was hard to find and second of all when I left I didn't know how to get out of the tennis club and I got extremely lost so I wandered around for half an hour trying to escape the tennis club and then another half an hour trying to escape fucking Putney so there was a whole thing that the district line is not to be trifled with like that thing is feral so anyway but so I'm getting so many questions I'm yeah. getting distracted but Let, what my no, point is during no, all of this no, during no, all of no, this no, what, what kept what me sane was following the current events on yeah. Twitter so yes ridiculous yeah. let it be known I've known James come back from several big, starry, glitzy, dazzling events in my short time at Empire. Never have I heard him say anything positive no. about any I of them. I mean, that's fair. Who, what stars were there at this thing? Nothing. No one. There was no, no one famous there. It was, it was a, a fancy ball. It was a, just a. It was a ball. I was invited to by friends of mine who work for one of the studios, and uh, yeah, and I went to a. I went to a to a ball. It was an effing ball. Yeah, it was a ball. Gimbal. Mm, Jesus Christ, yeah. it was a ball. A ball You'd have been proud of me, Boyd. I wore jeans and trainers. Oh, I'm you really did. Yeah. I, oh, I really did. Didn't Fantastic. change. Yeah. Was there a dress code where you were supposed to the wear? The dress code was ambiguous. It was just cocktail. 
Uh, cocktail. So I wore a shirt, jeans, and trainers. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's more smart cash, isn't it? Really? Yeah. See, see, but, I wore I wore my nice my Allbirds tree runners. This is not. I'm not pimping out Allbirds, but I'm just saying. I wonder what a certain character from a certain show like mm, we're going to review later on would well, have made of those. I'll tell yeah. you. I can tell we'll you, like, we'll yeah. find out. But yeah, so so all the way back, I was yeah. on Twitter, just like <laughs> this person's resigned. This person's resigned. This person's been fired. Like it was absolutely compelling, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was. It was pretty fucking great. You, you, yeah, I mean, it couldn't have been scripted better because yeah. um, you're watching the whole thing crumbling, the whole edifice crumbling, yeah. step by step. And, yeah. you know, that had tickers on the thing. It was to everyone, all the people resigning, it went, you know, 35, 40, <laughs> a ticker, <laughs> counting numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and you had him clinging on like the absolute maniac he is, yep. um, losing all dignity and anything they ever had. I mean, not that he ever had much, but in the first place, but for some people he did. And, um it was an absolute. Yeah, I was glued to 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 BBC News. Um, I even flicked over to those other channels, you know, like um, UK, whatever it's called, GB News, oh, yeah. oh, the one that you regularly appear on. That one, <laughs> the one that I'm asked to go yeah, on. Boy, and boy, GB News pundit, Hilton. the one I refuse to go on because I have some kind of principles. And like to see what you know, Piers Morgan, and there was a massive. That argument between um, Alastair Campbell and this idiot from The Spectator that was hilarious. Wasn't uh, Piers Morgan holding a pig at one point? Yes. <laughs> what Morgan, was that all about? Piers Morgan introduced, effectively last night, I was recording this on Thursday, Wednesday night, <laughs> thing, holding a pig yeah. or whatever. It's stupid. Because basically he needs to get more than four people watching his yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so flicking around all the news channels, yeah, the, it couldn't have been written better because you had all the elements of the the thing crumbling before your eyes. Him, it's the him clinging on that made it so compelling. Mm. Yeah. The madness. Compelling is the word. The madness. Refusal to concede yeah, that the, the end was of there. King Boris, basically. <laughs> but I love the fact that Clownfall was trending. Clownfall. Uh, it was just the whole thing, which is it was it was it was internet gold. It was yeah. memes. It was gags. Yeah. It was like you know now he's a Remainer. Like there was just so yeah. much fun stuff to be had. And I will say we're a broad church. This podcast, you know, we uh, we welcome listeners of all from all aspects of the political spectrum. But I think we can all you know left, right, centre. We can all unite in the fact that he is a clown. Uh, and yeah. I think we can all accept that. Yeah. I, I think that's an objective truth. Yeah. I would just say a couple of things about the coverage there, which might have bees in my bonnet. I've got a couple of bees in my bonnet. About, this is about general news coverage, by the way, which carries, right. which absolutely was crystallised in the way that they covered this whole thing. You do not need to send the news anchor, Hugh Edwards, basically, to a fucking outside 10 Downing Street. He does not to be, need to be standing there. And not like, for 95% of the TV time, on air time that he spends standing there, he doesn't need to be there. And the political journalists can be there. He can cut to them and go, yeah, they, they need to be hanging around because they're watching people going in and out and all of that. And all, yeah, but he is the anchor. He does not. And it's the same of sending them to wherever they go. They don't need to send them to war zones. They don't, they're just news anchors. They're not, you know, they're reading, re reading out a script. Yeah. It's yeah. the correspondents that need to be in, the pl in place. So that annoys me for a Clearly, they don't believe in working from home. Exactly. And all the other thing about what makes it particularly pointless when it's in, in Westminster is because there's all these people demonstrating. You know, these people are yeah. literally like spending their entire life shouting at politicians. And they're always there in the background shouting while Paul Hugh Edwards is trying to maintain some level of dignity. Yeah, that's crazy. It's ridiculous. And my even more, uh, the one that even annoys me even more is the Vox Pops. I hate oh Vox my, Pops. Oh, they are oh my God. fucking pointless. As someone who used to have to do them for a local paper, I have Did to you? say that oh. kill them with fire. But you, you don't kill get them. any useful information no. from that. No. Like, but particularly TV news ones, because they have to be seen to be unbiased. So TV Vox Pops always cover the, all the different viewpoints you yeah. could possibly have. They never go, 
basically, every single person we interviewed said Boris Johnson was a twat. They're never going to say that, even though obviously that's <laughs> yeah. the case. Yeah. So they yeah. find one yeah. or two eccentric people in wherever, and they go, oh, actually, I'd rather like Boris. I'm annoyed. It's like, what have you proven with this bullshit 10-minute yeah. segment on the news that is literally wasting all our time? Yeah. Well, funnily enough, instead of reviewing this week's shows, Boyd, I went out onto Camden High Street and I spoke to a number of people hanging around outside Nando's and asked them what they thought I mean, of Sneakerhead. You might as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're probably, in the case of Sneakerhead, they probably know more about it than you. Almost <laughs> <laughs> certainly true. Almost certainly. Yeah. Uh, yes, indeed. Okay, yeah. So we, we spent a lot of time watching news. That was quite entertaining. Yeah. The government fell. It's all been a bit, I mean, we've been living in an Armando Iannucci comedy for several years now. I was going to say, so. I was imagining mm. it playing out like an episode of Succession, like whips, yeah. like whipping cameras and then zooming in on someone's face all of a sudden and everyone's stressed out and checking the temperature and checking yeah. their phones. I was like, this is... This yeah, you, is the- want the, you want the his dialogue when, you know, in, in, in those meetings yeah. where they're all telling him, trying to tell Bryce to fucking just go. Yeah. You want the yeah. Amanda Iannucci to script those scenes. Yeah. 100%. Um, what happened to Operation Save Big Dog, eh? Right, mm. yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, other than the uh, the clownfall incident, have we been watching anything else? Has there been anything else to watch? Well, I couldn't join you for your Stranger Things. Um, no, you couldn't. Chat. Oh, yeah. No, but we we passed on your your one sentence summary <laughs> from the WhatsApp. <laughs> I thought it was Formula A, Beth Webb. <laughs> oh, it, it was though, wasn't it? Um, and and that's that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it, that's it. You haven't changed your that, view. And no. We were we were spectacularly wrong, weren't we? We got we got yeah, every, cool. we every did get it wrong. prediction like really wrong, but in quite a disappointing way. Just kill some people, guys. You well, just... that's what that's what Millie Bobby Brown said, wasn't it? She was the whole thing was like they're not killing anyone. We need to kill some cars. Yeah, Eddie Munson was just, um, disappointing. I would have liked to have seen him. In he did. Year. He did shred. As the oh, kids say. didn't he just? Mm. For Chrissy. Yeah, that was a lovely. That was a lovely. You, you didn't like the heavy metal guitar. I saving. did like it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. liked it. But that's it's how just I played. A... That was unformulaic. I would say. <laughs> you shredding the Last that's of Us theme song. That's right. I'd be up there playing the <laughs> Last of Us on my little up, acoustic yeah. guitar. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what would happen. Um, yeah, I just think they need it. They need to be a little bit more gutsy, really, with that stuff. It's something I've seen a little bit in films as well of late. Um, where it's just like, it's fine. It's fine for people to die. It's just, I feel like it's too protected by like the future of the show or the future of spin offs and sequels and things. It means that that they're sort of, yeah, there are too many loopholes. The stakes are a little bit too low, I think, these days. Did you not enjoy the. Uh... Running up that hill remix with the sword from Conan, which I found out, like David Harbour was saying, was the yeah. one of the actual props they used in the Conan films, the Atlantean sword. Oh yeah, that uh, was, which was quite cool. Yeah, that was really boss. I did immediately notice it, having held it myself. You know, oh just, my just God, who God's gave sake. you that? Yeah, for God's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> it's absolutely true. So I interviewed Arnold in his office in Santa Monica, and I came out of the interview. I spent hours chatting to him, and I came out, and I was talking to his guy, and I was like, Oh my God. And he was like, what? I said, I forgot to ask about the sword. And he went, and he literally, we walked back in, Arnold just moved on to it, we walked back into the office just so that I could play with the sword. (laughs) And so I played with the sword a bit and then I left again. Oh my God. Hashtag entitlement. Uh, So yeah, that was fun. Um, Other than Stranger Things, anything else you would like to share? I haven't watched Ms. Marvel this week yet and I'm really excited about it. It's a good one. The project, yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Something I've been watching, I've watched an old show um, is it The Wire? <laughs> no, but I have watched some more of We Own the City. 
Okay, good. good. So I have watched some of that and I'm I'm riveted. I am riveted. Depressing as hell though, isn't it? Slash fucking horrified. Mm. Absolutely horrified by what I'm watching. Not surprised, but horrified nonetheless. But it is it is it is absolutely brilliant. Um obviously. As a as a palate cleanser for the wire, um, no, I backtracked um, this week and watched a show I used to really enjoy. It's all on Prime at the moment. You'd hate it. I'm putting to James. Terminal list. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only person uh, in the universe who's watched all of that. Oh, we're going to get onto that in a minute. Oh, okay, here we <laughs> no. go. Yeah. But yeah, um, I am really fascinated by a comedian called Nathan Fielder, who has got a show coming out very shortly in the US. Uh, a new show called The Researcher, I think. It's called, which looks really interesting and funny. And he's got a show called Nathan for You. Have you heard of this boy? Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's all on Prime. Um, I would say watch it with company if you can, because it's it's just a really fun thing to watch communally. And Nathan Fielder pretends to be a business consultant with a a business degree from one of the top universities in Canada. And um, for each episode, he goes out to a different struggling business and comes up with a business strategy to try and improve the business and it's this incredible combination of very thoroughly researched business law and outrageous absurd comedy that's rooted in reality there's nothing else like it that I've ever seen and I went back and watched a few episodes um, including probably his most famous episode the dumb Starbucks episode Mm -hmm. where there's a failing coffee um Outlet. The the first episode came out in 2013. They went 2013 to 2017. And um he so Starbucks was kind of on the rise and this this coffee barista was was sort of struggling. And Nathan finds this loophole in parody law, which means that they can call this guy's coffee shop dumb Starbucks. It can have all the same branding. The the people behind the counter can wear the same aprons, but it has to be called, they have to establish themselves as parody artists. So they go and do, this is the extent of of how far they go for the joke. Only this guy thinks it's real. So they go in and register as performing artists. They do parody shows as part of like on these like local scenes. So they they become known as parody artists. And then they change, well, there's some complications, but basically open up dumb Starbucks and it becomes a phenomenon it's crazy and they get away with it like Starbucks who are notorious for suing kind of uh, namesakes or people who try and kind of copy their branding and stuff couldn't do anything because of parody law so he actually got away with it in this episode and it's crazy but they oh it's it's so funny and and like raucous and stupid but like also so clever how he manages to get away with all the stuff it's really weird like there's nothing like it so watch a few episodes of that this week and looking forward to his next show but i don't know when we're going to get it no ever. i think it's arriving in america it starts in america now this week yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. A big he fun. is very good he's very funny he's yeah. fascinating he's yeah. absolutely fascinating um but yes that's what i've watched this week i also wanted to ask you if we're getting the bear anytime soon that looks right up my alley yeah i haven't seen no. i haven't seen any announcement no I've heard a, bear, like, a bear all covered in hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, it's it looks like it's kind of Safety Brothers esque kitchen drama set in Chicago. Looks brilliant. 
Don't know if we're going to yeah. get it. Ever. It's on FX in America, so it's one of those ones that they're still because FX shows are sh- FX shows are still arriving on BBC Two. As I'm going to mention one later. In fact, okay. we're waiting for so many shows. We're waiting yeah. for Our Flag Means Death. Yeah. We're waiting for From. We're waiting for so many of them. What's From? It's a science fiction show, which uh, my close personal friend Titus Weller recommended. Oh, we're all waiting yeah. for that, are we? Yeah. We we we're all waiting for that. Yeah. Waiting yeah. For from. One person's waiting for From. <laughs> um, yeah, that, but you're, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I can't, John Bernthal's get guest stars in Bear. Um, do you know what I mean it's getting all yeah, this hype yeah, there's like yeah. big profiles going out on GQ it's and... annoying yeah it's the, it's the new um, uh, packs yeah, yeah. <laughs> start this, let's start this position now to get better because FX goes on um, Disney as well doesn't it it does yeah but it's so complicated because it's really some shows still are, are arriving premiering on BBC2 even yeah. though they go on, they, I think Disney's probably got all the back aren't they up for acquisition sort of thing if they don't yeah. want to because it's the same thing with the HBO Max similar, office. the yeah. HBO Max I think Sky get first refusal on HBO Max right. but it can just yeah. go out to anyone Yes. Um, I wanted to mention one thing about Stranger Things, actually, which is yeah. that because I did predict that Charlie Heaton's character would die, yeah. which I was completely wrong about. But my, the reason why I predicted that, because I felt he'd been underused yeah. throughout the whole series, but he does come into his own. Yeah. And the scene yeah. where he yeah. tries to respond to his brother yeah, and tries was to encourage was a lovely, it's a lovely one scene. One of the best scenes. We're playing yeah. very fast and loose with the no spoilers for all this week, aren't we? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, spoiler it's alert. A, like, oh, it's like a whole on. thing. But for, if you're a Stranger Things fan and you, you, and you haven't watched there I feel, I feel you're right. Like a couple of weeks have passed. I know what you mean. Like, I feel a bit uncomfortable. Last week, I put it all at the very end of the podcast so that oh, people okay. didn't. But I, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, maybe I'll just, uh, just, put just beat me. Yeah. yeah. See, I can't. I can no longer do the the timestamps in the description thing because because I don't know too when lazy. it's going to pull in. And yes, because I'm too lazy. But I can't be asked. That's why I can no longer do it because it's too much energy. No, because uh, when we get ads at the beginning, it throws it all out. So and I don't know whether there'll be an oh, ad or whether there won't because I don't have any control oh, over the ads. Okay. So actually, right. I can't do timestamps. Okay. So. I will. I don't think that. I, I hope keep it. I don't think. Okay. Well, I'll just say. Look, we have dropped some Stranger Things spoilers. If you have any issues with that, if you're upset, then please address all complaints to <laughs> at Boyd Hilton on Twitter, uh, and Boyd will deal with oh, them. Oh, believe me, so they, that's, will. Uh, that's good. they will. They will. Don't you worry about that. Um, but that wasn't. You know, and it's not a big spoiler. It's it's, a, it's an observation of a key scene. Anyway, so I'm I'm, I'm refusing to accept it's a it's a spoiler. Um, Is the end open? I am going to talk about again until you. Strap yourself down and watch it for all mankind. So for all mankind, oh God, we're yeah. now on episode. We're halfway through this series, yeah. And the whole storyline, which is basically the the fight to get to Mars, the back get your ass to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broken, boy. You gonna do the whole thing as a short? Yes, yes, I am. Okay. Yeah, I do it now. Come oh. on, tell me. A series of anecdotes <laughs> and impressions of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Fine. Um, it's a three-pronged battle with the Americans and the Russians and this private company, this Elon Musk style. A PMC. Yeah, to get to Mars. Yeah. And it's all building up. And the, and the, and the, and the last episode four was just... Ju- and what, it, what it's all about, really, is the insanity that drives people who undertake this kind of power-crazed competitiveness. And I think it has real-world implications for what's happened this week politically in this country, for example. Mm. Someone like Boris Johnson. The the people who get to the level of power where they are in charge of this shit of these yeah. thing, kind of things yeah. and their political obsessions with beating another country or another thing to this to this admittedly spectacular achievement of getting to Mars yeah. is so brilliantly dramatised in this series so on top of all the other things it does the top of all the incredibly fascinating alternate history the, the whole crux of the show and you're constantly finding out very some funny and ironic and you know kind of 
pertinent ways in which history in this show diverts from what's actually happened. Um, so, for example, the Elon Musk-style company that is trying to get to Mars, that have brilliant kind of um, observations of what of their office and how they have this kind of quasi-egalitarian way. Like they have a hand vote to see if, you know, we're going to appoint this guy to lead this, this mission, is really a satire on what's happening now, very recently you know, in terms of how companies are run and what they, you know, these kind of like, you know, tech companies basically mm. and that whole kind of Facebook, you know, campus with, I don't know, you know, huge double-decker buses and swimming pools and things in, inside the office. It's kind of satirizing that, or even though it's set in the 90s, you know, it's kind of set decades ago. So it's it's ripe for um, commenting on the way society is now, even though it's this whole alternate history set mm. ago. It's just brilliantly made. I mean, it's just... F- just the writing, the acting, everything, the, con- the whole conception of it is fantastic. So that's still one of the best shows on TV right now for all mankind. It's on my list. It is on my list. I yeah. promise it's on my list. People, are, the number every day now, I very much entertain myself by reading the tweets that complaining about you <laughs> yeah. having so much yeah. on your list. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is brilliant because you admit to watching all eight, ten, how many episodes are there of that thing you're going about to talk? Tell us. Shush. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, someone did say that the fact that I would once again moan that I don't have enough time to watch Better Call Saul and then in the same breath say I watched all of the Terminal list. they said was as, was as maddening as it was absolutely inevitable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, I was like, and I took that to heart. I was like, they are absolutely right. And the logic to that is in my head is that because I've started watching it, I'm in that zone. So I kind of want to press on with it. And I'm out of the zone for other things. But because because people did call me out about this on Twitter, uh, I was like, do you know what? I need to address this. I need to sort it. Someone pointed out that it's, is it seven weeks to the end of Better Call Saul? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Seven weeks. They said, come on, come on, Dyer. You can sprint for the finish line. Come on, pull your shit together. So I was like, all right, all right, let's do this shit. So this is what I've done. Uh I read news. I read the Wikipedia summaries. Whoa. <laughs> for the whole of the first season, which I have already no. seen, oh, fine, which I have fine, already fine. seen, but obviously fine. when it first aired, so I have completely forgotten. So I read the Wikipedia summaries and then I went on to some man of recap thing on YouTube and watched a seven minute clip reel summary thing of the whole first season. Yeah, And then I watched the first episode of the first season in full. You wow. are a nightmare. And I'm now going to watch the last episode of the first season oh, in full. Yeah. And then once I've done that, I will then feel comfortable. <laughs> my, my, You know how I like, can't jump into things up I feel I have to be I have to feel like I'm, I'm on a solid foundation before pushing on I would, having read the summaries having watched the recap and having watched the first and last episodes of season one which I and again I can't emphasize this enough I've already seen I will then feel ready to jump into season two with both feet. This is adorable. So, this so, is but adorable. I need to, I need to, I need to be like properly, like geared up, properly equipped for season two to really get it. And I have to say, right, like, and I don't know, it's possible I'm just a fucking idiot. Like, that's absolutely possible here because someone was saying, you know, oh, you know, James, you know, you don't want spoilers for the final season. You can watch it. And I was like, well, it's not like he's gonna die, is it? And they were like, he could, you know, because it takes place after Breaking Bad as well. And I was like, it does. <laughs> And then he was like, he was like, the first episode literally begins yes. after Breaking Bad. I was yes. like, does it? And I had com- either either I had forgotten that, or I am so stupid that when I first watched it, I just didn't understand what the black and white prologue to the first episode was. But obviously, rewatching it now, I'm like, oh, I see. So this is his post-changed identity. Saul, now Gene, working at a Cinnabon. Clearly, should have taken some money with him. Uh, and I was like, okay, good. So it's and presumably there's more of that as we go forward. So we see mm. this flashback. So I'm mm. like, okay, right, okay. So I'm, I'm in there for that. So I'm glad I watched the first episode. I'm going to watch the last episode, and I can't. I know what happens in it, you know, because recaps on Wikipedia. But so I 
reckon by the weekend, because I'm going to watch that final episode on the way home tonight, by the weekend, I will be ready to start season two. So if goes well, I may be up to date by the time it finishes. That's my goal. This is exciting. That yeah. is my goal. By the but way, I have to put everything else on hold because of that, and it's stressing me out. Do it. You'll be fine. Um, the to be fair to you, the, that it was confusing that opening mm. with the, the the flash forward, the black yeah, and, and then he puts on forward. the better calls, the yeah. better calls ads. He puts on the tapes. Yeah, it is confusing. Yeah. And I remember when it actually went out. The time everyone's like, "What the fuck is happening?" And yeah. it was you know you kind of help yourself understand what is going on. And it's easy, also easy to forget as well because yeah, actually, it doesn't come back, does it? It's like that's well, it for the, that season. Well, for that season, but then there are each then yeah. the subsequent seasons start with similar. Okay, okay, but, yeah, but not always. So um, it's yeah, it's it, in this particular case, uh, it's acceptable that you've forgotten that as an element of it. So I have a thing in my head. I have a thing in my head, which is Danny Trejo's head on a tortoise. I have that in my head. And I can't remember, was that in Breaking Bad? Or was that in Better Call Saul? Um, Danny Trejo's head on a tortoise. No, not in either, surely. This is just a dream I had. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Am I going to have to Google this? Yeah. Like, this is the thing because I was like, "Oh, I thought I remembered that from the first season of Better Call Saul," but I haven't encountered it. Right, I'm going to Google it. Danny Trejo head tortoise. Oh, it's it's just a head. A severed human head on a tortoise. Uh, oh, it's Breaking Bad. It's yeah. from Breaking Bad. Okay, fine. No, I don't know where Danny Trejo's come from. I'm sure it's Danny Trejo's head. Watch it. It is Danny Trejo's head. What? Tortuga. Yeah. Because he's Tortuga, isn't he? He plays Tortuga, which means tortoise, and he puts his head on a on a on a on a. Oh you know, my thing. god, you're right, Danny. Thank you, Danny. Trejo's head on a tortoise, but I was, so that's from an episode of Breaking Bad. See, I haven't revisited Breaking Bad since it aired either. So no, right. but that would be the most me thing ever, wouldn't it? Instead of watching yeah. Better Call Saul now, I instead I embark on a Breaking Bad rewatch. Oh, that would be yeah. <laughs> just watch that instead. That would be amazing. Yeah, okay, but I'm not going to do I mean, that. I don't know. I forgot that, but I haven't watched. It I'm not going to do that. Oh my god, I'm just watching in short. It says holler on the side of the turtle. Show that's, yeah. that's nasty. That's, yeah, that's it's, nasty. It's, that's nasty. Beth doesn't approve. It's nasty. It's nasty. nasty. Uh, okay, so yeah, so so for those of you who have called me out for not watching mm. Better Call Saul, I am on the path. I am following the tortoise. I'm doing whatever it is one does, <laughs> but uh, it is going to happen. It's going to happen. That, that is very exciting. Um, the other thing, I was, <laughs> no, it's, anyway, wow. that, that means sound Board is thrilled. Insincere. Brilliant. Because I just wanted to finish the thing that I was saying because we've kind of diverted. Oh, sorry, you. sorry. I yet. As we tend to. The yes. Lazarus Project. Yes. The Lazarus Project. Oh, I'm yeah. watching that as well. Right. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. It's so. It's so good. Brilliantly done. And now I feel like it has to be in the top twenty. See, I, I really wish. I see you realise what you've done now, because yes. I watched a couple of episodes of Lazarus Project. I think I've got a couple of episodes left to go. And then I got sidetracked by Better Call Saul. So now I'm going to have to go back to Lazarus oh. before I continue no, Better Call Saul. No, and it's your no, fault. No, I mean, no, and it's your fault. No. It's your fault. I mean, no. I don't, well, whatever. But it's, it, I mean, it's wild, isn't it? <laughs> Pesciotto is so good, isn't it? It's so good. Yeah. And it, it's wild. It gets the time loop stuff gets oh, yeah. more and more outrageous and interesting and morally challenging and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, and get, he is fantastic. Papa says is fantastic. And but just go on. But you're right about the moral conundrums yeah, on it because it's like he's saying so you can't just do this. To which Mance will be, why the fuck not? Yeah. Like you know, you can't. It's like it's it's an interesting question because they're saying you know morally you can't do this. Like but actually you can totally make the argument that there is no downside to doing this. Like of yeah. course we can reset time. Why wouldn't we reset time? So yeah, absolutely. What did you think, Boyd, the other day when it was uh, when it was checkpoint day? Were you uh, were you pleased we'd got through another year? Um, I was very pleased last yeah. week exactly. last week was checkpoint right. day it was last yeah, week. yeah I it didn't realise completely possibly by frankly literally even though, but yeah. until it comes around again you're right yeah, yeah. but that's very he, the way he invented that mm. the, 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 the time loop being such that um, 
you can't go that far back or, or forward yeah. in time. The, the limitations genius. Done, genius. I've never, yeah. ever, ever heard that before. No. Look, I'm sure someone said, oh, I think you're fine, that Robert Heinlein did that. I'm sure yeah. he did, whatever. <laughs> but, and that may be true, but I personally well. had never, no. ever encountered yeah. that before. And I was like, that is, it's just, as you say, it's, it's a brilliant way of constraining the capabilities yeah. of it, but also introducing that horrific wrinkle that what if you remembered it and what if something happened and like the, the whole charm thing. So I remember that, you remember in uh, About Time, the Richard Curtis yeah. uh, thing where they go back and the daughter is a son or whatever, and he was saying, oh no, once you have a car, once you have a child, you can't do it anymore. You can no longer go back. But they never resolved the fact that they did go back and the child did change and then everything seems to be fine again. I'm like, I don't know quite what happened yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, so that's where I first encountered yeah. that particular idea yeah um, so yeah it's fantastic and, um, and, and is, we should say I think we, the, the whole top 20 has to be kind of almost um, what's the word I'm looking for it has to um, be open we have to revisit it because there are shows that I haven't finished you know? yeah this that is, is true this is a prime example if I'd have finished yeah. this show by the time we picked our top 20 it would definitely be also, quite high someone that. rightly called us out because Slow Horses isn't in the top 20 oh, yeah. Yeah, which I and Palmy was just thought. like I would have totally put it in the top 20 but I think you fucked it up because you, Do you said think I fucked it, it up? was in my my top twenty, and it was in your top twenty. It, it wasn't Matt. No, it wasn't but that best. doesn't. But I think it should be in there somewhere. But we've already we've already established that Matt had very little to yeah. do with this. So I don't know. How. Yeah, you're right. We should have had Lazarus in there. We should have had Slow Horses in there. But there were only twenty choices, and it was yeah. quite stressful. So yeah, God, imagine what's going to be like when we get to the end of the year. And oh. I mean, yeah, but by the end of the year, boy, by the end of the year, the final season of C will have aired. So I mean, I think we could write it now. Really, do you not think? You know, number one, C. Yes. yes. Triumphant final season. No, I'm not even looking at you. <laughs> no. Okay, okay, that's all good. Right, let's move on to this week's listener question. And this week's listener question, and we have one this week because it's been a while, but this week's listener question comes from Oliver Williams. And Oliver says, massive fan of the show. Thank you, Oliver. Uh, After the shock of Herogasm, brackets the boys, thank you for that context, uh, and the claim that it was the most shocking thing on TV, which is hard to argue with, what shocking moment in TV history do you think could compete? Brackets, you don't have to add this, but mine will be season four of Dexter, Rita's death. Spoiler. Mm. It's a, but it depends how you define shock, doesn't it? Because there's like, there's the like death related shock. So there's like your red weddings, there's yeah. like your glens, and then there's like just like a plot twist, twist like a shock reveal, mm. which is like, oh, I had a list. Well, because it's you almost like I mean? you're right. So it's like a, a thing that exactly. shocks you because you didn't expect it to happen, yeah. or a thing that shocks you because I can't believe they put that on television. Yeah, I think I, the boys is very much the latter. Right. Yeah. See, I, I, I t- my interpretation of this question was, in, in, I'm not sure their example of from of, of Dexter. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to criticise the question. That's just a plot twist, isn't it? It's just yeah. a plot twist, right. Yeah. So I was thinking, I mean, I think it's a really good question as to the, sh- yeah. the viscerally shocking moments. So, so they generally are of extreme sex mm. or violence or both yeah. <laughs> together, yeah. in the case, often in the case of the so, boys, yeah. both together. I want to put one out there yeah. to start off with. Lisa Faulkner, Spooks, right. episode two. Yes. Because and didn't they have that was record numbers of complaints to the BBC yeah. after that? Yeah. So Lisa Falk knows it's to do with uh, white supremacists and her arm is shoved in a deep fat fryer and it's horrifying. But while you are reeling from this horrific act, <laughs> they grab her head and stuff her face in the deep fat fryer and then shoot her in the head. And bear in mind that at that point you thought she was the main character, or at least one of the main characters, yeah. along with Matthew McFadden. And 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 you just didn't know what to do with yourself. You yeah. just don't go, what what did I just see? Yeah. What just happened? And I was so viscerally horrified yeah. by the just the horrendous nature of the violence and what they'd done. So it was both of these things. It was shocking in terms of what they did yeah. and shocking for the plot twist. But I mean, that's 
pretty near the top for me. I remember my mum telling me when that happened because I was too young to watch you were still it at school. myself. Yeah. Oh, so mum <laughs> kindly uh. just told me what happened in it. And it's worse. I'm sure it was horrible to actually watch firsthand. In your mind, it's always going to be at least 10 times worse than what you actually saw on screen. So I, as a child, had to sort of... <laughs> I have notes for that. your mum. I'm not sure this is an appropriate thing to discuss <laughs> with your young your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what else is uh, like, a, like a shocking Well, movie. similarly, I, uh, similarly to that, less less disgustingly but the, the moment in Line of Duty there's so many moments like yeah. the window but the window yeah, yeah. Um, Jessica Rain being thrown oh. out the window because she again was like you expected to believe yeah. she's the new main character yeah. in the show and she gets hurled out the window Oof. you know by the end of that episode so that was pretty incredible I have questions about casement windows and hospital rooms but that's a whole different conversation well, oh, completely you're absolutely right yeah <laughs> Danny Mays' character Danny Waldron his death after, yeah. you know, he's supposed to be, you think he's the main protagonist. Yeah, that's that right. Series. That's a that's a shocker. Fantastic shocker. I I think again, I, I, I go back to the fact that these moments are probably something to do with sex or and or violence. Yeah. So I've got things like the White Lotus. So you've got you've got a sex moment, right? <laughs> at the end involving your friend, your interviewing Murray. Murray. My best mate Murray, yeah. Which From Farscape. Is, uh, at the end, I think it was episode four, which was phenomenal. Yeah, like that whole build up and that whole timing and that, that was, was like, amazing. oh my god, they've gone there. Yeah, and then the the shit moment. Yeah, um, in it was just extraordinary, which yeah. I guess isn't sexual violence actually. That's, there you go, that's an example. But that was an oh my god, they're actually showing this thing yeah. happening. Yeah, absolutely extraordinary. You then go back to I the, the, you know the first time that sex act was shown, Queer as Folk, and how you know I sat there in a cinema in London in 1999 for the Queer as Folk press launch <laughs> with hundreds of journalists. Yeah. And and you're watching that sex act <gasps> playing out on a huge screen, wow. and you've got these people from the Daily Mail, you know, in the Sun, going, "What the fuck is happening?" Fanning themselves Fanning with themselves. magazines. As a teenager, <laughs> exactly, is having enjoying this, enjoying this sex act with the older man. Extraordinary moment, yeah. yeah. So I remember that so clearly, and the shock, the shock waves that it <laughs> sent round um, Her Majesty's press was was fantastic. <laughs> I'd say Euphoria. Yes. And then the lawyer could choose you for it, but the season two opening episode, do you remember? Whereby it was um, suddenly this like, this like helter skelter Tarantino esque bloodbath. But in the middle of it, do you remember when there was like the, um, the grandmother of Pesco, Agnes Cloud's character? Do you remember? It was like her origin story and it involved um, her marching into a strip club, interrupting a man mid blow job, shooting him in the leg, and the, you see the blood spraying onto his erect penis. I mean, just think like. <laughs> I'll be what honest, invented. that's not a sentence I expected to hear today. Well, exactly. That's ah. shocking. It's shocking just to say it. Yeah. But it was an unbelievably, like, just a, a stunning moment. And you keep thinking, five years ago, imagine saying something, this is going to be on TV. Yeah. You know, not, this isn't a fucking X-rated film. Yeah. X-rated, sound like my mum. <laughs> but it's stuff that you can get... You can get away with stuff on TV now, and that we go back to the boys, the whole inspiration for this. That yeah. you can't probably can't even get away with in the cinema. It's somehow you, you it's somehow easier for HBO and all of it. It's part of the whole, you know, race of peak TV or whatever you call it, that everyone's trying to outdo each other well, with the more and more what shocking stuff. What are the censorship regulations when it comes to streaming services? There are none. Well, this is what I was gonna say, because it's not like there's there not like a broadcasting no. standards thing, is no. it? Aren't they exempt from yeah, and they don't they, have to go through the BBFC? No. So they can kinda of do whatever they, the fuck they, they want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They can. Yeah. Yeah. And they do. And, and they, they do. Hence, hence, hence the boys. Whole, hence the boys. Yes. The whole question. I would just I was gonna say one thing about the boys. I could I'm gonna try not to witter, witter on about this for an, an hour. But for me, the more shocking moment than 
the hero gasm thing. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Was the was the scene where the guy shrinks to the penis one? Yeah. The, the penis first one. Yeah, is much more shocking. Yeah, I agree. Because like hero orgasm, it's just like what, yeah. like a river of cum. Like right. that's that's. Yeah. Yeah. Please, this, this all needs to stop. This all needs to stop. I feel ill. But, but in terms of like, that's the most graphic thing there. Yeah. Like, there's not. I mean, you and have, the prehensile dick, like that's the, the other dick. thing. That was yeah. like. Funny. Do you know what? It's so much worse in my mind than I'm sure it is oh. on the screen. Is, is this going up there with the Lisa Faulkner sequence that your mum told you about? Yeah, basically. I thought the whole, whole Herogasm episode and the whole orgy thing going on wasn't nearly as shocking, none of it, as the guy being shrunk down to the size of a termite and yeah. going up a man's penis. Yeah, yeah, not because you think he's going to go up his bum. That's what you, you do. Think yeah. Because, oh, no. Because yeah. you no, think no, he's going no. full Ant-Man yeah. and Thanos. Yeah, but, but no. he's not. Oh, no, that's far too that's easy. Far too We're going to send him up his fucking penis. Yeah, and it's just that you have that shot, that shot of him climbing into the end of the guy's penis. You're like... I have God. never seen a penis this large yes. on screen. This and is... they built a giant penis. Of course they did, yeah. So that's much worse yeah. than yeah. Hero Gasm. In every yeah. way, that, you know. <laughs> but then it gets so much worse as well. It's like, okay, how far are we going to push this? So he shrinks, he goes up the ballad. He's yeah. in the ballad. Yeah. He's walking around inside the ballad. The guy's right. enjoying himself right. visibly. He sneezes. The man yes. explodes. Exactly. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> it, it's, that, yeah. you can't catch your breath no. between all this yeah. happening. It's and crazy. I think when, when uh, I uh, mentioned a few times at the launch when the guy in charge of it the, the showrunner um, Eric Kripke Eric Kripke said I've come up with the most shocking scene in the history of television yeah. he said it there and then he, that's what he was talking about he wasn't talking about fucking Eric no that's he true he was talking about that and yeah. he's right it yeah. is definitely it's, it's up there if not the I've got a couple more I haven't finished yet <laughs> you think I would have done um, <laughs> in Sherlock so you, in Sherlock not only do you have the Sherlock Holmes going off the edge of yeah, is it oh, yeah. Hosp- yeah. yeah that was shocking yeah. which was shocking but even more shocking was Moriarty sh- killing himself because remember uh, they'd only just fairly recently introduced Andrew Scott's Moriarty yeah. in the yeah. series and he may- had an immediate dazzling effect that performance is one of the all time great debut of a character did you miss me? In, right I did yeah. miss me all of that subsequently <laughs> happened and so but, he, but then to then a few episodes later Kill himself, should and there's no way out of that. They managed to bring him back in in roundabout, yeah. circuitous yeah. ways, which was very clever, and I loved all that. But the, he didn't fake. He, he I didn't like, believe he was dead for I one know. second. Well, I, I did, was wrong. I, think. Yeah, I was like, I don't think they can extricate themselves from this yeah. because he's shot himself in the head, basically. So uh, that, but that was just an absolute shock. I remember watching it live at the time, whatever the screening, wherever, and it was being, that was a proper and bold, bold, brave <laughs> to kill off your most thrilling character that you've yeah. established in this show. Yeah. yeah, That was amazing. I think it's interesting going back and I've been looking through like a few examples in the past, but before social media really contributed to you, a viewer's experience of, of watching a show, those shocks hit so much harder, didn't mm. they? There wasn't the speculation. Yeah. There wasn't people feeding into theories and things yeah. on Reddit and Twitter and, and whatever. It was just, you sat down on your Sunday evening or your Saturday evening and you watched that TV show together yeah. and you witnessed that happening coming from app. Even if you had a hunch, there was no one to go and like universally share that with, yeah, was there? Actually, you just come and sat down with your family and you watched Sherlock on it. Was it Saturday night, whenever it was on? Uh, no, Sherlock was... Um, that's good, you got me... Interested now was when when they when they did air it. Yes, me, yes it was... let's let's dwell on this. <laughs> I'm sorry, what a, someone else is making a a point. <laughs> but it was like you wouldn't you wouldn't watch last week's and then be like, oh, you know, get on get on the subreddits, get on the tweets, get on the hashtags. Yeah. You would just think, oh God, you'd maybe talk to a few people at work about it, talk to your family and friends about it in your closed 
physical circle and then you'd sit down and all watch it together another night and that that shock would just hit you mm. really hit you like an old school one that hit me that i was reminded of is is um is uh, joyce in buffy and remembering yeah. that yeah. you the know body. when we thought that had that had cleared off and it hadn't and just uh, you know talking about it with your mates at school the next day you know there wasn't mm. that same thing where you're all feeding into things and, and things are less of a surprise and that's do you remember when Stephen King I think I said this the other day when Stephen King guessed the end of uh, Mare of Easttown oh yeah in like a freak <laughs> yes no one else saw that coming apart yes. from Stephen King but otherwise everyone's feeding into every single theory and it kind of it deadens the the shock a little bit um but yeah all, all the kind of old school ones I, I feel like just just hit a little bit harder Okay. Yeah, I mean, Sherlock kind of straddled, actually, yeah. that whole time, in a way. Because, uh, like, when did Sherlock, Sherlock arrived? Um, 2010. Yeah. So by the time the second series, uh, it was pretty much, it was, social media discussion of TV was growing at that point. Mm. So by the time Sherlock did go off the edge yeah. of that of that building, they actually ended up in the beginning of the Nexus by satirising people talking about it online. Yeah. So it kind of, it was literally almost in real time becoming yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of show that yeah. went from as you said we're just communal you're watching it and then to being a thing that's going to be discussed massively and yeah. help it and it becoming even more of a phenomenon than it was when it started yeah so it's quite interesting yeah, yeah. All right, I have a few more on my list <laughs> the Mark Green bathroom attack in ER is oh, yeah. always up there for me. That is not, again, surprising, but also really upsetting, shocking. Yeah. Not like, I can't believe they put that in TV, but that really shot me. But also the stabbing, the stabbing of, uh, of the murder of Lucy and the stabbing of, of Dr. Carter, also in ER. Like that comes out of absolutely nowhere and is completely horrifying. Uh, so that was up there for me as well. The pilot of The Shield, which involves Vic Mackey, the hero of the show, shooting a cop in the face. That's uh, that's yeah. a very unexpected moment. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Beth has mentioned The Red Wedding and also mentioned that Negan versus Glenn in The Walking Dead. But then that was one where it was so unpleasantly violent and it was a horrific way to kill a major character yeah. that people just stopped watching the show. Yeah, so I think yeah. that backfired horribly. Yeah. Um, Omar's death in The Wire was one that would have come out of absolutely nowhere if... Uh, sorry, Beth, if I just ruined what? this. Omar dies in The Wire. Uh, the sorry, hell? the statute of limitations has expired on that one. Also, Nick ruined it for me, so I'm just paying it forward. Oh, did he? Um, oh. Yeah, the next morning after it aired when I'd not had a chance to watch it, he went up to me and goes, R.I.P. Omar. And I was like, what the... <gasps> Oh, no. I was very unhappy. Very, oh, no. very unhappy. That's but yeah. All right, great. Well, I hope we have answered that question to your satisfaction. If you would like your question read out on the show, then do send it into us at Pilot TV Pod on, well, let's say Twitter, occasionally Instagram, but mainly Twitter. Uh, and we'll see if we can get to it. Time now for this week's guest. And as you will have heard last week, Sky's parenting comedy, The Baby, sees comedian Michelle DeSwart as a woman who ends up caring for a baby straight from hell. Uh, Michelle stopped by the show recently, and here she is talking to Beth about the baby. I'm so happy we get to talk uh, about this today. I spoke to Lucy and Sean about the yes. show because it's filmed in part on my street, which is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so okay. <laughs> yes. Because we went back there twice. Yeah. So you're like on the phone to your guy at the restaurant. And I was like, that's where I get my fish and chips from. That's really weird. <laughs> oh, do you know what? We got fish and chips from there. It was really good. Oh, and please. Really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big time. <laughs> um, I mean, I just got to ask what you thought when you first read about this project, because it's obviously a heightened 
show stuff like this <laughs> doesn't happen in day to day life, but it was made in response to some very real kind of fears and thoughts on what it means to be a mother today. So yeah, I'd love to know a little bit about what kind of you tuned in with when you were reading the screenplay, for example. I loved the way that these, because the first scene that I got was the poker scene. Right. The poker night scene. And um, I loved the way that these women were interacting with each other. I found it really refreshing. And although some of the things that were said were harsh between them, but I was like, this is a really unique insight into the way that women do interact with each other. Do you know what I mean? It was quite a, I, I just found it, I found it really fun and it made me laugh. And I instantly felt a kinship with each woman around that table. Because they're all coming from different places, aren't they? There's, is it the, the other two women have both got children and you're the person who is is kind of coming up against them and being essentially the, the voice, the protagonist of this, who feels completely at odds with the, the people around her. Yeah, I mean, I, I found that each person around the table at some point I identified with. Yeah. But in the scene, as we see it as viewers, Natasha has a tradition of having poker nights yeah. with her two best friends. Yeah. And she wants it to stay exactly the same. And it is changing because her two friends, their lives are changing. And Natasha's not as accommodating as maybe she could be because things change, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And what was the key to cracking open Natasha? Because, like, as you say, it's, it's a funny show as well, but there is also, like, yeah, she is essentially carrying a lot of other women's voices who feel like they associate with that position. So yeah, what was your kind of in for this character and telling the story? I wanted to make sure that Natasha was was still that that she still had a vulnerability about her, right? Yeah. So that so that we watch her and we see that she can be a bit of a dick. <laughs> I think I think at one point in the in the first uh, or the second scene, one of her friends actually just says you're a bit of a dick um but but it's clear that she speaks without thinking and I guess my job or something that I wanted to try and make sure that I did as an actor was that she still had a level of vulnerability about her and that you wondered why she was the way she was yeah and then obviously as the show goes on um you know Sean and Lucy have done it and the writers have done a great job of um, answering those questions And she's a chef as well Which I found really interesting Because you don't necessarily need That element of the character To make the story work But it brings so much to Natasha Like what was it like to explore That part of her character Where she's this really kind of top of her game Actually quite maternal In her own way Queen of the kitchen <laughs> That's so You know what Beth I think you're like The first person To pick up on that uh, In doing these interviews Because yes She Although she Seems on the surface Of things Like she has a, um, Like visceral aversion To motherhood And And looking after people She actually does Have a job That involves Giving people nourishment <laughs> Yeah you know, like feeding them, yeah, which is like quite a matriarchal, like grandmothery thing to do. She likes cooking for everyone, and 
you know, taking care of her friends via food. Yeah. And, uh, and, and yeah, and she's also made a job of doing that. So, yeah. It was fun. I like that first conversation that we see in that episode where she's talking to the, the lad in training and she's like, you're going to be all right. Have you done this? Have you done that? You're fine. I think that's just such a lovely element to the character. Um, yeah, yeah, it is as well because you see that she she's caring without being sort of soft and fluffy. You know, she's sort of like, come on, you'll be good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's yeah. not like, um, yeah, she's not she's not really, I guess. I, yeah, I guess she's got her own way, hasn't yeah. she? Of uh, of 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 being of being nurturing. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, we haven't even touched on the baby yet, which, you know, I heard from Lucy and Sean, like the mechanics and the team behind bringing this baby into the show like what was that like to act off you've got the two twins playing the baby there's animatronics there's puppets there's people like singing songs to the baby behind the camera like what was it like to kind of act off this baby in like a horror setting as well you know you've got the framework of of a horror and you're acting off a baby like what was that like for you it was it, it it was a learning process, but more than anything, it I was just really hyper aware that um, we're gonna have to work around whatever's best for the babies, whatever mm. works for them, we're gonna have to accommodate. Yeah, and the sooner you realize that, the better, because you cannot push against. Uh, a baby you know you have to and that's kind of what this show's about as well you know like the more that you push against um a baby's will the more difficult it is for everybody so um it was it it, it was also the same with filming you just had to work around them so you had to think about if they were hungry or tired or you know if they've just woken up they're going to be in a good mood so this is probably a good time to do a more sort of taxing scene so yeah, yeah. It, it, for me, being my second role, it, it was probably good as well because I didn't get to indulge myself too much in my own insecurities and fears about the job because we had a baby on set. They sound like kind of ultimate divas where it's like, oh, they have to sleep now, they need to be fed now, like very demanding on set. So it sounds like... I mean, you know what? The thing is, they're not demanding, are they? They're just saying what <laughs> yeah. they want. They're just like, I, I want that. Some of us, it takes us years to be able to... To be able to just ask for what we want, you know? <laughs> Baby does it with just like a look. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's probably something to learn from that. <laughs> um, the show's obviously come out in America already in full. Have you had any reactions from people off the back of watching it? You know, did anyone kind of, as you say, you related to a few of the characters in the show, did you have people kind of reach out and say, I see something in Natasha, I see something in these other women in the show? Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, me and Natasha are of similar ages. And so the things that are playing out in the show are also playing out amongst me and my friends. And I lived in the States for most of my adult life. And um, that's where, you know, the majority of my friends are. So yeah, a lot of them related to Natasha, which was surprising more than anyone else. So um, yeah, Natasha and and I think the party scene got a lot of got a lot of my friends that are new parents. <laughs> it's interesting. I 
do wonder sometimes why it's taken. I mean, there's been other iterations of stories where women feel pressure to, you know, feel these maternal instincts in the way that other people do. But I do wonder why it's taken this long for a show like this that puts across that point of view to actually come out and reach people. It's um, yeah. What did it feel like to be a part of that? I guess. Sometimes you don't like appreciate things like that until you're having conversations like this, you know, it yeah. definitely, it definitely felt special. It definitely felt really great and, and um, reassuring and refreshing to be doing a subject that was so female focused with so many women. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's a shorthand that we were all speaking with each other, you know, but yeah, no, it just, it, it, it felt good. It felt good. But yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of things, that's not what you're thinking all the time. Yeah. Everyone's just kind of getting on with the, with the task at hand. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, you've said this is your, this is your second show. I mean, how are you, what is driving you at this stage in your career and where, where do you want to go next? What's kind of on your mind? I mean, I'm a stand-up comic, so that's what I've been doing. And I've been um, writing and getting ready to go on tour. So I just am sort of picking up where I left off before I started this job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've been fortunate that I didn't set out to act, but it's so far, it's been really great. And I've had like two amazing opportunities to tell two stories and especially with this one, that feels like um, an important story to be able to tell. So, Absolutely. Because I guess you do kind of tap into those comedic instincts for this show. It is, as you say, a funny show, like a cathartic kind of funny. But then also there are moments of like real emotional breath. You've got like, yeah, it, there's a lot of range. There's a lot of stuff that you need to tap into for this role. Kind of how did you find that pivot? So from the stand up, you on a stage entertaining, you know, in a life capacity to this like really ambitious, cool genre show. Like, how did that feel? You know what? It's definitely a different mode to go from doing stand up, which is really instant. Like yeah. you tell a joke, the audience laugh or they don't. You go home, you think about how it went and you repeat the next day. Whereas this is like, it's such a slow process and you've got so many people that are a part of of this machine yeah you know and and so many people trying to help you to make sure that you do the best job you could possibly do you know what I mean so yeah yeah, it's it's a it's a world away it's a world away but I guess in terms of like the comedy beats of the show there was things to like dip into from my experience as doing, you know, doing stand-up. Do you think, I mean, it is an inherently British show, like the setting, the language that's used feels inherently British, but it's a broad, accessible subject that you're dealing with. Having spent time in America, but also obviously hailing from Britain, like, do you think the show will be, or do you anticipate the show being received differently over here? As you said, it's, inherently British so I think there might be another layer that people here are going to be able to relate to yeah but I think in the broader sense it's about it's about being a woman 
you know, and it's also about being a caregiver and and the kind of pressures that society put on you when you are a woman. So I think that would be relatable to anyone who's a woman or someone who knows a woman, (laughs) you know what I mean? Which is all of us, right? Regardless of what country you're in. But I'm hoping that there's a little something extra for us here because it's made here, you know what I mean? There's like little things that you're probably going to get humour-wise and and culturally um, that not necessarily, I don't think it would have been missed in the States, but I think there might be something extra for us here. Yeah, I think it hits hits a little bit different. Definitely when I saw my fish and chip shop, I was like, yes. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> right. I think I think that's us. But I mean, I guess just just to wrap up and we've touched on this slightly, but I would just really love to know what you hope people will take away from watching the show. I hope that this can just start some conversations, I think. And I hope that those conversations are based around if you've got friends that um, or family members that don't want children that you can hear them out I think if you've got friends that or family members that have just had children regardless of whether you've had them yourself or adopted or you know maybe it's a family member that you're looking after that that these things as much as it's a miracle and amazing can also be really stressful and some of the things that really help alleviate stressful situations is having a community of people to talk to or even just one person. So I hope that this show facilitates that for some people. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely feels like it moves the conversation forward in a really, really good way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, it's been such a pleasure speaking to you, Michelle. Thank you so much. Right. It is time for news. Where should we start with news? I know where we'll start with news. We're going to start with news with the time traveller's wife. (laughs) Oh my God. We're going to yeah. start with the time traveller's wife. Oh, the time yeah. traveller's wife. What did I say? This is a bugbear. What did I say with the time traveller's wife? I was like, I'm really, really enjoying this series, but it just ends after episode six because they don't bother to finish the novel. And it's just like, which was unnecessary because sticking a couple of extra episodes and just finish the novel. It's fine. There's a sequel. It's okay. But they didn't. And it's been cancelled. So we're never going to find out how it ends. And it's just like, come on, guys, for fuck's sake. Why don't we try and get Stephen Moffat on and I'll just ask him. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Ask yeah. him. So why? Why didn't you yeah. just finish the novel? Yeah. It's yeah. like, because it was a really fun show and I really liked it. Mm. And admittedly, a lot of people did not watch it because I said it doesn't have an ending. Oh, I'm not doing that. Well, uh, are we've you been, saying you've destroyed the I show? I destroyed the show, yeah. That's it. It's, it's been cancelled because of me. HBO, James Sire on that pilot TV podcast, told everyone that there's no proper ending. So you're just going to get, no one's going to watch it It's all circular, isn't it? Yeah. It's all circular. I yeah. am hoist by my own petard. Yeah, they were like, "Oh no, we've been we've been hurt before. We're not going down this road." And and didn't watch it, and now it's been cancelled. So oh, there we go. Yeah. More just... time to watch Better Call Saul. That is true. Yeah. It does give me more time to watch other things. But I was a bit upset about that because, as I say, I rather enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it is upsetting. Well, yeah. I liked it as well. Yeah. It's yeah. weird that they didn't catch on, isn't it? I, I think oh, I, for me, like there's an inherently less <laughs> best like is it though oh I mean just... remember that opening shot I'm, I'm not that? even yeah well yeah it was very wiggy wasn't it it was well. very wiggy yeah, I wonder if the wiggy very talcum powder off people <laughs> um, but I think there is something inherently less thrilling about a TV series if it's not only adapted from a book mm. but 
a following on from a movie adaptation of the book. So everyone knows kind so of what you happens. you kind of know what happens. Well, not even that. It's not so much that. It's just, it, it, it's like a double, less original prospect, isn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, that's so, I, I remember when it was first announced, or I remember when Stephen Moffat said he was doing it, I was like, oh, that's a slightly odd thing for you to want to do. You know, I just felt... Yeah, it was. I've always felt that way. David Fincher, like I love one of my favorite directors in the world, but when he keeps doing serial killer stories, yeah, you know, he's done quite a few oh, <laughs> serial yeah. killer stories. Yeah. He likes a and serial like, killer. I, and I, you know, I, I fucking hit terrible name drop. I did interview him once on stage for an hour and a half, and he kind of answered it. He was like, "Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I know what I'm good at." I'm, I am fascinated by those stories. Yeah. People are fascinated with stories. Why not just keep doing them? Yeah. I was like, oh, fair enough. That's yeah. a nice answer. So, yeah. I mean, from, from Stephen Moffat, I'm sure, you know, he's interested in time travel <laughs> quite a lot. Fair. And so, you know, he really liked the book. And so he did it. And forget about the fact that the mediocre film. But in the end, I feel like it's no great surprise that not a lot of people watched it because it doesn't feel like an exciting prospect. Well, I was excited. Yeah. Just the so. most exciting thing about it ended up being Stephen Moffat's scripts, in a way. Yeah. But really where we should have started with news, <laughs> surely, is the um, Stranger Things spin-off announcement. Yes. And just general Stranger Things. Even events. Stranger yeah. Things. Yeah. <laughs> Even Stranger Things. So they're, uh, they're going to do a stage play of some kind. Yeah. That feels unnecessary. <laughs> Which feel, does feel unnecessary, but, you know, there's, wasn't there, there was a Lord of the Rings play, wasn't there? So, you know, these things happen. Anything gets a play. Everything gets a play. Yeah. But I'm fascinated by, basically, basically, it's like, what I remember saying this last week, you know, how Netflix must be absolutely thrilled. I mean, it's the least, it's the least shocking news story ever that Stranger Things is going to get a spin-off. Yeah. But, also, Netflix must be genuinely thrilled that they've given they've got the Duffer Brothers, who they know can tap into people's imaginations and get billions of people as you know watching their stuff yeah. um, at, at a massively high level, even if it is tad formulaic. <laughs> um, and so it totally makes sense. That they're just going to give them tons of money to make stuff and in the in, in the Stranger Things universe. Yeah. And uh, but to have it. You know, it's exciting. And my question is, what do we want? Maybe we should, maybe we save this for a future episode. But what would we? What spinoff from Stranger Things would we want? Well, I think a Max spinoff would be incredible. Yeah, she's like just endured as such an interesting character with a really interesting backstory. She got the best moment of this mm -hmm. season, which required a lot from her as well. I think I don't know. I think Millie Bobby Brown's obviously kind of the go-to, always been kind of the go-to yeah. standout of the ensemble. But I think she's really come up and if anything has kind of leveled to that. Um, Call it running up that hill. <laughs> yeah, she could do. <laughs> she could do. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just so overwhelmed by what I've already watched, the prospect of like where else it could go. Mm. Overwhelmed by how formulaic it was. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're so overwhelmed. It's worth mentioning our editor-in-chief, uh, Nick Dissemlian has had COVID this weekend and watched all of season four, both volumes, within 24 that's, hours. I'm not sure that's great when you're feeling weird it's with COVID. It's the worst that's, thing you could have done. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so masochistic. Mm. But yeah, crazy, crazy that he watched all that in 24 hours with like a high temp. Maybe that's what I need. I need to catch COVID yeah. and that's what, how I'll get through better course of all. For God's sake. Yeah, that is one of the most entitled things. Maybe I'll catch Maybe COVID. Maybe I'll catch COVID so I'll have a little bit of time off. Maybe yeah. so I'll watch some no. telly. Uh, it's 100% something I don't want to happen. I should touch it <laughs> can't help but I must clarify that yes uh, uh, but yes no I don't yeah maybe a hopper spin-off could be interesting with like a young cast get to the hopper sure like sure. a hopper prequel get to mean? the like hopper the origins hopper of hopper could be pretty great although he, he basically outlined his whole story in that monologue in uh, oh, yeah. the end of uh, yeah. 
So we know everything that happens to him. I don't know. You've got to be careful with prequels because as we've oh, learned gotcha. with yeah. AB1. Don't piss in the pool. The stakes are just so yeah. low. <laughs> so maybe not that. But yeah, I would be I would be interested to see what else they come up with. I would like to quite um, see a will or someone like, you know. No. Like, <laughs> no. Hard pass on a will spin-off. Have you, speaking of Will, because he's dreadful. But like speaking, speaking of Will, like speaking of Will. Absolutely. No, because he has Bigger. nothing. No, yes, that's right. No, it's not because he doesn't have anything to do. But have you noticed the internet obsession with the back of Will's neck? You know this? Yes. Have you seen this? Like this right. obsession with yes. the back of Will's neck. Yes. Like the memes on like when he's crying in the car, it's like what we saw and then what Mike saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, oh my gosh. Plus every funny. season ends with a shot of the back of his neck. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think Will in college. I'm talking Will college years. Will, in, Will the college years. Yeah, Will the college. Or, or, or what, any one of the two or three, you know, kind of Please, he, As long as he gets a haircut first, fine. But they're kind of defined by the bowl. I just, they, uh, no, yeah. it's just, yeah. no. Could you just call the bowl? Yeah, but the thing is, Will is great. Like again, I feel Will. Will has been hard done by because like he started out like obviously as a critical part of the first season, and I feel like he's not really had so much. You know, obviously in season two he's possessed, isn't he? Sort of thing. But I think this season he's had he's had particularly. Yeah, he had great moments. Again, that season with his brother is fantastic. But I do feel like he's 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 an underused character. What would you like to see as the? Uh... I, I, you know, I'm off prequels at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'm off prequels. Okay. Like, do a sequel. Like, do something else set no, in the no, same I'm universe. About yeah. yeah, but I don't think carry on any other characters. I think it'll do a completely use the Stranger Things universe, but do something with completely different characters. I think spinning off characters is just a bad idea generally in this in this case. I think you've got a show with a lot of characters in it. That's fine. Keep them there. Do something new. Mm. Same world, but do something new. Mm. Yeah. I think it will be involving some character. Possibly, yeah. Or, but then, a spin-off isn't really a spin-off of it. So, it's okay, well, it's, yeah. the Susie show, and it's just, it's just, it's just Susie <laughs> oh, being gosh. a genius wherever she lives. Yeah. I quite want to, you know, one one person, Matthew Modine, who, um, who I think is fantastic in it, and genuinely creepy and horrible, mm. and you know, that whole kind of self-justifying thing that his character does when he's basically abusing all these fucking kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd quite like to know. To, to you know, we've had glimpses of his origin story, haven't yeah. we? But. He could, I don't need the Papa files. I need the Papa files, no. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He's just fantastic, a fantastic um, actor. Yeah. 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 He's great. He's great. Okay. Clearly, you want to move on. Okay. Go on, James. Yeah, well, no, there's not much not to move even, on to. Like, anytime you want to move on, you're just like, <laughs> che- like checking, checking the volumes. You're very, very antsy today. Well, I mean, look, there's not a lot of news to move on to because we have what is scientifically referred to as fuck all news this week because it's been the 4th of July weekend in the US. Oh, is that Which right? means the world shuts down and there yeah. is no news. So there's not an awful lot. And Netflix are adapting uh, Stephen King's Talisman, The Talisman, I should say. Cool. Is that exciting? Are you a fan well, of that? Well, that is a Duffer Brothers. No, but that's part of the Duffer Brothers deal, isn't it? Uh, is it, it part is? of Yes, completely. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, well, then, see, it's all tied together. That was a, that was obviously a deliberate segue on my part for something <laughs> yes. thematically linked. Yes. Um, you clearly skimmed that story. Yeah, I well, also haven't read the Talisman, so it means absolutely nothing. To well, me. the Talisman shows up in Stranger Things, so they've 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 um, referred to it as well. It's in. Um, Is it a physical thing? Physically. An actual Talisman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the um the there's a copy of the book ah, lying around. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is so, that the connection? It's all being set up. Well, it's all being set up, and then for them, as part of their deal, they are working on it. Yeah. So, if Stranger Things then becomes linked to this thematically, Jack Reacher is, of course, part of the Kingiverse. So then, <laughs> oh we'll have God. Jack Reacher could yeah. be in the Stranger Things spinoff. Well, I don't think they're going to be connected. It's more just part of the deal. The yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to see you too literally. Apologies. Right. Go on, Beth. Give uh, us. Give us some more news. Um, excitingly, for two out of three of us. <laughs> 
Jamie Dimitrio has struck up a deal with BBC Studios to develop, uh, co-develop and co-produce projects. So we're going to see more yeah. from him, which is really exciting for the Stafflet's Flats fans on this table, which leads me into actually a really funny celebrity sighting I had this week. Okay. So do you remember Kem from Stafflet's Flats? He's Sophie's yeah. boyfriend for a while. He lives near me. Wow. And I've seen him a few times in the supermarket. But Imagine. my partner hasn't seen him yet, and we both love Stefflet's Flats. And we were walking past him the other day for the first time together, and I just sort of swatted at him, and I was like, that's Cam. And he said out loud, oh my God, it's Cam. Oh, wow. As that's he was really... looking into the face of my partner. So there was just there was just no getting around it. Like, that's just brilliant. looked into his face as he, like, panicked, froze, and said, oh my God, it's Cam. And you just, it's like, what do you do other than keep walking? Did you, did you just say, hi, I'm Beth Webb from the Pilot TV podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I should have done. I should have done. He's in a few things. He was in that, ah, he was in the ITV holiday resort. Oh, good God. Drama. Yeah, what is, I'm trying to think so what his name is. Uh, um, who, who was he in that? I only watched one episode and he was in it for about five minutes. I'm looking at Boy to confirm, but I don't think he'll be able to. But yeah. Was he a lawyer, I think, maybe? I feel like he was the lawyer. Yeah. Uh but yes, there is nothing funnier than being caught in the presence of someone and saying, yeah, "Oh my brilliant. god, it's this person!" out loud. It was um, it was pretty pretty mortifying. David Mumeni. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's the lawyer in it, but you know, I should check. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. in Bloods as well. Oh Loads wow. Of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. So well, that was you should do. You should do whatever he needs because the needs of Mumeni outweigh the needs oh. of the few. Oh, oh, oh. Or the one. Jesus Christ! I'll save that for when I see him next time. <laughs> yeah. <shall I>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Isn't Jamie Demetrio also in the Barbie movie? Have I made? Have I dreamt? No, this? he is. Yeah, and isn't he glimpsed in the trailer, like running along frantically? Is or there something? a trailer? Was it a trailer? Or maybe it was a. Oh, maybe I imagined it. Wasn't there a trailer? I haven't been a trailer for No, there have been yet. pictures. Oh, maybe it was a, a picture or something. Oh, fantastic. Um, I'm just imagining him as Walt in yeah. the after party, just like yeah. bumbling about in the <laughs> exactly. background. Yeah, but Funny. the more Dimitri, I mean, absolutely. The more 100%. Dimitri. You know, Satellite's Flats is actually on my extended watch list. No, it's fucking not. No, it don't, is. Even, don't lie no, to me. No, I'm my actually face. serious. I'm actually serious. Listen, he's looking at my face. I, I, I decided me. that at some point in the future, I'm going to try and give it another go. You whether couldn't actually, even finish that sentence. Whether I actually get around to it, but I wrote it on the when I wrote out my list, it was on the list that I wrote. That's a, that's what I'm saying. All right, hmm. all right. The, the cast of the Bobby movie is astonishing, by the way. Oh, it's yeah, it is. Kingsley Benadiers, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rhea Perlman from Taxi and and Cheers and all that is in it. Two Sex Educations. Yeah, Sharon Rooney. Um, it is extraordinary. It is. Yeah. It is I can't wait to see what that film is. Isn't it it is no the most extraordinary is. project. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. Yeah. And it's clearly yeah. not going to be what we think it is. But yeah, this no. is not a film podcast, Sorry. Boyd. Certainly Sorry. not one where you're allowed to say nice things about films. It's so, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have any other news? Any news? Um, well, I was just going to mention it's not. It's kind of non-news in in your theory that there is no news. Yeah. But in, in, on the day of the Boris Johnson situation, oh, yeah. we should reflect on the fact that, of course, the Ken Branagh um, as Boris Johnson <laughs> TV series. Yeah. Um, they're recording a bonus episode. No, no, well, they're not. That's the that's the story. So Variety checked very cleverly um, with the Sky, etc., whether mm. this England, as it's now called, it was going to be called the Scepter Dial. I think it's now mm. called this England, which is supposed to arrive in the autumn sometime on Sky. Um, whether they felt they should go back and redo any of it because you know Boris <laughs> is now God, but it, it, they're not going to because basically the whole focus of it is on the first wave of COVID. Yeah, when leading up to when he got hospitalised and all that. Mm. Um, so they're not remaking any of it or redoing any of it is the story <laughs> it's, like, it's like a non it's, it's they're saving it for season two they're saving it for season two it is a handy reminder that this show is arriving and I yeah. cannot at fucking wait to see Ken Branagh as him 
Yeah. Um, and you know the whole uh, the whole prospect of that show is fascinating. Michael Winterbottom directing it, so I cannot wait to see it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Kelsey Grammer has teased a um, yeah. Frasier reboot. Yeah. There's a screenplay, his or a script. Yeah, I think it's fully fully happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's been greenlit and everything for Paramount Plus. Really? Yeah. yeah. So I think he was saying how it might not. He implied that it might not involve his brother. Uh, yeah, Niles. God, I've got Niles' yeah. name again. Part of my dementia, <laughs> my ongoing dementia issues. Um, yeah, I think there's a hint that it might not necessarily involve Niles, which would be, frankly, insane. Yeah, but um, I had no idea that was happening. So. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's definitely happening. When James sent me, was it you who yes. sent me the? Yeah, James sent me a link to the, the to the spoof trailer the parody yeah, of yeah. Serious Frasier, yeah, um, being done in the style of a dramatic like gangster song. And I, for a minute, genuinely thought it was the trailer for the new Frasier. <laughs> quite a long time I thought it was. <laughs> and I was like oh my god this is amazing they're doing it seriously like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yeah. are doing it but no I was taken in completely by that trailer <laughs> that spoof uh, alright should we call it on news, news? yes alright yes. we're calling it for news we're Apparently moving on to reviews fire and we have to move on from everything really quickly today I mean uh, sure alright Beth has some more news right Beth what is your I, extra oh, news that you clearly yeah, have I'll oh, the best on. the best news that's come out of this week which we can fully take credit for so Nick spoke with um, Quentin Tarantino for our new issue and as part of that issue he confirmed that his favourite show he likes to watch with his kid is Peppa Pig and he's Uh. gone as far as to say that Peppa Pig is Britain's greatest Exports. Wow. Yes. That's fantastic. I mean, it's not. Let's. I don't think he's been a hundred percent. I don't think we can actually say that. At face I'm holding value. him to it. I'm hundred percent holding him to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got the quote here. I actually do like Peppa Pig. I watch it a lot. I'll say it. Peppa Pig is the greatest British import of this decade. <laughs> that is great. How did they go into the subject, though? Uh, who's to say? I think how Nick did Nick just... get on to... I mean, I know he's a genius interviewer, yeah. Yeah. but how did he even tap into the possibility <laughs> that Quentin Tarantino might be watching does, Peppa Pig? Does Peppa Pig know. not come up in your interviews, Boyd? I'm confused. Yeah. I mean, not yet. From now on, it will. Yeah. Oh, Fuck it, hell. Yeah. That is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was some brilliant news that came out today, courtesy of our magazine, which you can buy... On our day of recording today, which is Thursday. Yeah, it's yeah. now. Good point. Yeah, I'm glad that we extended news to the, for that. I for am that as well. If anything, because it's irks James. Yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, we can James. never top that. That is, of course, the crowning achievement of news. Two things have happened since we recorded the most recent podcast. Uh, one, I've managed to catch COVID, which is fabulous. Yet, this podcast is still in your ears, so I would like some credit for that. Uh, and number two, we are poised to announce a very, very special event, which is our 200th live episode of the Pilot TV podcast, which will be taking place at King's Place in London on Sunday, the 21st of August. So please do block out that day, free it up in your diaries, and make sure to come down. It's going to be an all-day event, a lot like the Empire 500th episode was. It's going to kick off shortly after midday with an exciting afternoon of panels and events. There might be a quiz. There will almost certainly be some guests, possibly some deep dives into some shows, maybe even some season recap slash spoiler special type things. Uh, Who knows? I don't entirely because I'm still trying to book in guests, but it's going to happen. It's going to be exciting. And then in the evening, we have the live 200th show where we will all be there, uh, pilot members past and present. And it's going to be very, very exciting indeed. So Sunday, the 21st of August, have a look over on the King's Place website. I imagine tickets will go on sale probably from Tuesday. Uh, We'll have to see. You might have to Google it, but keep an eye on my Twitter feed at James C. Dyer and I will include the sales link there. Hope to see you on the 21st. Assuming I make it through this bout of COVID, which I'm fairly certain Beth wished upon me in some fashion. Uh, On the plus side, though, it is giving me a chance to make it through my watch list. So 
you know, swings and roundabouts. Time now for the reviews. Okay. Uh, and first up this week, we have Sneakerhead on Dave. <laughs> now, <laughs> what a, this stars what a Hugo Chegwin. introduction this it's is. Just, yeah. This stars Hugo Chegwin as Russell, an employee in the Peterborough branch of Sports Depot, a thinly veiled analogy for Sports Direct, uh, and a man who can tell all sorts of things about a person's trainer. So take Boyd. For example, he is currently wearing what appear to be vintage Nikes. Is this a, su- is a supreme tie-up or is it just Nike? No. These, funnily enough, these are the most valuable trainers that I own that I'm wearing today. Really? Yeah. Yeah, these are worth... If you try to buy them new-ish on the internet, it will cost you a couple of grand. Shut up! No, I'm not shutting up. Where did you get them from? Um, I got them because I happened to be in New York when they when they were released and I queued up to get them. Uh, How much did you pay for these these trainers of yours? Oh, they were, that's the brilliant thing is if you get them new, they're just like 120 quid or right. 150 dollars. Um, yeah, um, but they are they are um, particularly valuable. They're like Nike Mar. They're called. Um, they're invented by a guy called Tom Sachs. They're designed, and they're designed to be very, um, they can take lots of wear and tear. I've had them for, for years, and even though they cost that amount, because they're very limited edition, they are um, properly good. They're called Nike Craft Mars Yard 2.0, listeners, if you're interested. Wow. <laughs> I'm not expecting that detailed an answer. Um, but yeah, okay, fine. Yes. Well, that's, what does that, um, I don't know what that says about you, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, it says that I'm a sneakerhead. It says you are a sneakerhead. So are you a sneakerhead? Yes, How many pairs of sneakers do you own? I've probably got currently like um, I've probably got thirty that are probably thirty pairs wow. of sneakers. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. How do you like- decide what to wear? Um, it's I, I, it's hard. Yeah, I go through phases. So I've been wearing these for quite a while because these are good summer ones. They're very very incredibly comfortable and thin. They're quite kind but of like, thin. If you're layer. wearing two grand sneakers, yeah. why are you wear like? Do, do you not think? Do you know what? I'm why am I going to wear these to Camden? Like um, I wouldn't wear them. I don't wear them on days where it's going to rain. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I check the weather okay. forecast first. Yeah, so I, I wear them in good weather, and only in good weather. Yeah, so I'm absolutely 100%. Do sneaker. you have any sneakers that you, you don't like wearing because you don't want them to get, like, scuffed? Or... Yeah, oh God, yeah. At least I've got about five or six limited edition ones. Supreme ones, surely. Uh, no, they're more... Um, uh, they're different. They, no, they're Nike. A couple, there's one or two Supreme ones that, that goes for, yeah. But there's just Nike, very very limited edition Nikes that... So I've got a question. Like, like so, so when you're wearing these limited edition trainers, like... Yeah. Who is noticing? Like, who is knowing that limited? So, like, do you, do you, like, you're walking down the street and someone will go, bruv. Like, they know. That happens a lot. What, that hey. happened yesterday. Did it? Really? Yeah, I wore this yesterday. Um, on my, I was walking back from London Bridge to my flat and a, a, a bloke literally went, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> dude. Uh, when I go to interview people, I interviewed Ramesh Ranganathan um, yeah. a, couple, a, a couple of months ago um, for Heat and I, and I know he's a sneakerhead. So I wore, I, I deliberately wore one of my best, least, one of my most um, valuable pairs. And he yeah. was like, oh, I love those, yeah. It's, it's just, it's a bonding exercise, yeah. Right. This is fascinating. It's like a yeah. little subculture. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Beth, are you a sneakerhead? No. I got two pairs of <laughs> trainers. Don't know what they are. Actually, there's a line in Sneakerhead where they rip the shit out of people that wear vans. And I, yes. you have a pair. It's you've given yeah. up on life if you wear vans. vans. Yeah, yeah. Lazy, yeah, lazy option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What am I wearing? I'm wearing, the, what are these boys? These are, these are Nike Airs. Right oh, yeah, in my face good. as well. Like, um, Air Max sorry, one, from my head. Air Max 1s, I think they are. Air Max 1s. Yeah, yeah that's a good, in, it's a good, I like the, um, I like that, um, 
like silhouette. Yeah. I thought, thank you. Yeah. I've got a good silhouette. You've got a good silhouette. Oh, yeah. God, good. Yeah. Like a Darth Maul red. A Darth Maul red. Yeah. I've got Darth Maul red mm. Air Max ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're quite good. Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling a bit cool today. Yeah. Uh, I feel we've digressed a little <laughs> bit. All right, fine. So now we know what those trainers say about you. But more importantly, what do you say, Boyd, about the show? Well, it is. I did insist to review it. I mean, it's not the most, the busiest week of TV. As no. we as we're right now yeah. in the middle of effectively Wimbledon, yeah. the women's Euros. And Resident um, Evil was embargoed. Resident Evil was embargoed. <laughs> of course, yep. you would have insisted us. I would have done, yep. Small mercies. The Rev- <laughs> Resident fucking Evil was embargoed. <laughs> it's got K. Scudders in it. I mean, didn't we at one point watch an animated, like, 10th oh, yeah. version oh, of yeah. it? Yeah. I yeah. can't even remember. Oh, we absolutely yeah. I made Terry watch that. I'm you made certain. Terry watch it, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, glory days. Yeah. Um, so I did insist that we review this, but it is one of the three or four uh, major shows starting this week. Um, it's... It starts Hugo Chegwin from People Who Just Do Nothing, and it's in that People Just Do Nothing vein. And People Who Just Just Do Nothing, which was about essentially a bunch of doofuses running their own radio station yeah. Yeah. out of Brentford in Essex, became a massive phenomenon. Let's not forget, turned into a film, a yeah. rather good film. Yeah. Didn't you even like Big the in film? Japan. Yeah. I didn't watch the film. Oh, you didn't watch the film. Okay. No. I remember Star Empire. Tech. But I enjoyed the uh, the British Airways uh, uh, you know, safety <laughs> announcement that has uh, yes. the, the man from, your man from, from right. People Just Do Nothing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it, and it's also, I think the reason why it's actually quite a big deal not to James but to normal people <laughs> living their lives in popular culture is that it's a, it, it's a cross between it's Hugo Chegwin who people just do nothing is the main role as the man who's suddenly thrust into managing um, the shop the sports depot which is clearly based on sports direct yep. <laughs> the extremely I would say um, trying to find a legally even down to their word. giant mugs <laughs> yeah I mean sports direct does not have let's say the best reputation yeah. in retail I think that's fair uh, but let's say that and um, it's also also stars Big Zoo. Now, Big Zoo, as I'm sure you're aware, James, has a show on Dave called Big Zoo's Big Eats. Not a clue. Oh, I've heard you talk about yes. it. Yes. But no, Which I don't know who very Big Zoo is. Very entertaining. Big Zoo is a comedian, rapper, and now actor. And he's got his own show on Dave, which is currently in its third series. And he won two BAFTAs. Yes, I remember this. Remember? This is how I've yes. heard of him, because he won a BAFTA. Yes. And I was like, who the fuck is Big Zoo? And, and why though, is he eating Him big winning things? two BAFTAs won the highlight of this year's BAFTAs. He was brilliantly funny. And he, he, he he's just a very entertaining guy. And the fact that you've got him acting in this role, you've got Hugo Chegman, who's always funny, and that it's about tra- a, a, a sneakerhead, about the words which I totally identify with, <laughs> means that I completely love this show because I'm fascinated by I actually do shop at Sports Direct, you know. And Hang I, on, no, what? I've, yeah, because for you what? Get, you don't get your sneakers trainers. there. Oh, no, no, not for trainers. Because as, as Hugo's, as, yeah. Hugo's character points out, you'd never buy trainers no, from 100% that not. shop. You get them from your limited edition places, um, like Foot Patrol, etc. But um, uh, you buy normal, like casual wear, you know, shorts and and, and all, all kinds of stuff, you know, Nike, any Nike Adidas. I, I cannot, I cannot in my head. <laughs> this is brilliant. Reconcile the Boyd I'm in with Supreme and have all this limited edition clothing yeah. and have like socks that cost four grand <laughs> with the Boyd who buys Adidas shorts from fucking Sports Direct. Because not everything I buy, not every single thing I buy is Supreme. Most of it is, to be fair. So, so how do you decide when you <laughs> go out? Again, I'm going to wear my limited edition Supreme, like you know, Vivian Westwood crossover rhinestone encrusted shorts, <laughs> or, or or I'm just going to wear these fucking Slazenger ones I picked up in Sports Direct. Like, it's both. Like, if you really want the detail, I can't believe we're entering this level of detail. I've got a Supreme T-shirt and a Nike jacket thing over it. Yeah. Did you get the jacket from Sports Direct? And I probably did. Yeah. Oh my god! I think I actually genuinely did because it's the cheapest place to get them. It is yeah. the cheapest yeah. place to get them. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this show, 
this comedy, which is showing in three nights, it's, show, it's a three-parter. It's clearly like designed, it's like a testing, it's a taste to see whether they're going to turn it into a longer-running series. Oh, okay. But I found it very entertaining. I think Hugo Chegwin is just incredibly reliable. He specialises in playing kind of put-upon mm doofuses effectively who are almost like anti-alpha males in total non-alpha males it's like he, all of his characters it strikes me as celebrations of basically uh, people who are thrust into positions they can't really deal with <laughs> yeah. he could barely deal with his a girlfriend or romantic yeah. life and all of that I think is lovely and kind of I think it's a good thing that this type of show and it definitely started with people just knew nothing in terms of this particular cast um, uh, the, 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 it's, a lot of it is observing masculinity without wanting to sound too pretentious um, <laughs> in a way that is really refreshing and, um, and realistic above all else mm. I'm loving the, the stuff about sneakers particularly as, he, as, he, as the whole opening is him going through all the different characters and the different sneakers and what you can learn from them. I totally love all that. So I, I unsurprisingly, this entertained me and I'm very much enjoying it. He's got like a like a bloodhound quality yeah. to him, doesn't he? Um, like just as, it's not gormless because there is like... It's semi-gorm. It's yeah. semi-gorm. Semi-gorm, yeah. not yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Not entirely less of gorm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. That's beautiful. Semi-gorm. I like that a lot. <laughs> um, yes, he's he's got such an unassuming, unthreatening, un-anything really yeah. presence to him, which it like translates actually into something really pleasant to watch because exactly. you're instantly, it's not that you sympathize with him. It's not like you kind of look down on him in any way. He just, he, he represents somebody that you would just walk walk into on a high street, which is exactly where this is. Like I really love shows that really dig into the detail of the everyday. It's something I loved so much about Big Boy, which should be on your list. I hope it's on your list to finish. Um, three hours. You've got three hours left. <laughs> three hours total. Three hours total. Three hours You've got total, 90 yeah. minutes left. Yeah. But I love shows that really ruminate on the, the day-to-day, really like draw humour out of like just silly little bits that you do encounter in your day-to-day, which is very much what he does here. The little world that he builds, which is essentially like four shops down. Where was it set? Have I missed Peterborough. this? Peterborough. <laughs> it's, it's like eight shops Generous. facing each other. On I think I've been to that and... shopping centre. Because yeah. uh, spoilers to people, our company, Bauer Media, their main office in the UK is based in Peterborough. So we get called up there for meetings occasionally yes. and end up wandering around the shopping centre. So. so there's like a Holland and Barrett, this like sport depot, and then like a few little bit. But the characters that they draw out within those worlds and the way that they're able to turn those little details into humor is is just wonderful i love i love stuff like that it's cozy it's mm. a cozy comedy and i really like it for it so yeah it's it i didn't know they would they were sort of wheeling out three to see how it goes i never well heard that's my that interpretation it's, right, it's only okay. three parts so i feel like dave dave's a bit like that often i think they do three parts but didn't they, they do like a, a, a three or a two-parter recently there's a show that terry loved was it a comedy yes Yes, I don't know did. what that was, right. but there was one. Yeah. You're right. I can't remember yeah. the name of it either. But yeah, that they another did, one they I didn't do. like. But yeah, because yeah. so, they have smaller budgets. But yeah, yeah, so they do test things out a bit. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be more. Hopefully, there'll be more of it. I particularly like the 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 the, the kind of boss of the sports depot who's on the other end of the phone, yeah. who's played by Mark Silcox, who's really funny. He gets to like tell them what to do in a very roundabout, nonchalant way. Yeah, um, he was really funny. Yeah, James. Hi. <laughs> I came very close to not watching this. I got to be honest with you. Did. I was just like, I just, I got in very late last night after having been lost in Putney, and I just thought, let I me just get my violin. Cannot just, yeah. getting back from Putney from a ball. Yeah. Watching your evening this. of middle class privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was just like, oh, must we do this now? And I did watch it, 
Yeah, you did. And I didn't hate it. Oh, I didn't hate it. It made me laugh several times. And given that I only laughed once during Thor Love and Thunder, I actually laughed more times in this than in that. I'm not saying it's better than Thor Love and Thunder for the love of God. I'm not saying that. You sneaked that in. But there were a couple of bits, sneaked it in. (laughs) But there's a couple of bits here where I, there's a bit with a picture of a kangaroo and the character also goes, I hate donkeys. And I don't know why, but it (laughs) really tickled me. I was like, that's really funny. (laughs) There were loads of little throwaways. Yeah, gags like that. yeah. and the it. characters are quite likable. All of the politics inside the store. I mean, look, it's not fucking high art, is it? You know, it's not what I'd call sophisticated humour, but it's pretty well pitched and it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's quite it's quite. So is it, comforting isn't the word, but it's kind of there's a warmth to the humour. Yeah, uh, that's quite. It's not taxing, but it's yeah. It's I, I liked it. I mean, and yeah, they're a little ease warm, and yet they're a little kind of you know the observation that the pregnant woman you know can't get maternity well, yeah. leave because she's yeah. bleak as all yeah, hell. You know, there's things like that. that yeah. That it, does in a very light and obviously touch shops light. are closing down and yeah. redundancies and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. there's a little bit of reality intruding Absolutely. in there. But yeah, it's 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 quite fun. I actually felt weirdly for a show called Sneakerhead. The actual sneaker angle was really downplayed. Like mm. it, it starts strong with that, but yeah. they don't really come back to that it. That's true. And that then the sneaker true. stuff seems to go out the window. Yeah. So I don't know whether that was just a Funny enough, weird you, device. When when I said we should do this, you said is it is it this show from whenever it was Sneakerheads, mm. which was which a show, Netflix, which was a Netflix yeah. show, which I did watch and was more. Hardcore about sneakers. That was yeah. about the sneaker scene in LA because there's like two or three shops that deal in 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 the in, in the resale market as it's known, um, and that was all about that. And I really like that show, but that was much more 100 percent about the sneakers. This is more a way in. I think it is a, a nice way in and a nice little kind of way of titling the show and yeah. kind of defining that character. Yeah. Well, it's a giggle, and yeah. it is on Dave. Starting when's it start, boy? Uh, Wednesday the thirteenth. Um, 10 o'clock and carries on Thursday and Friday. There you go. Sneak ahead. Next up, we have The Control Room on BBC One, which stars Ian DeCastica as a 999 responder whose working day is kind of thrown into crisis when someone calling for help turns out to be a person from his past. Beth, please be our first responder on this. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yes. Yes. So... What to say about the controller? <laughs> you've called me. Um, it was it was really good. Actually, I only watched one episode of this. Um, I hadn't watched him. I'm not going to try and say a sur- surname. De Costica, Costica, De Costica, De Costica, Ian De Costica. Uh, <laughs> the more you say, it's the quite pleasing it to say. Yeah. Ian, Ian De Costica. Yeah, hadn't seen Ian De Costica. <laughs> you mean you haven't been watching Agents of Shield? No. Unbelievable. No, I'm sorry. Is Have... he an agent of Shield? He's an agent of Shield. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, hadn't seen that. So this is the first thing I've seen him in. And he's wonderfully cast, I think. So he, yeah, he is, he's the protagonist in this. First responder, we see him in the first like few minutes of the show, you know, gets to do something really wholesome and fulfilling as part of his job in this very highly stressful environment. Um, but then gets kind of thrown into this situation where his past is brought up through a call that he takes an emergency call through somebody, um, as you say, who is involved in his past. Um, and he's really interesting. I, I, as a, a first time watching him as a performer, super, super interesting. It seems incredibly wholesome. There's quite like a, I don't want to keep giving, assigning dog-like qualities to people, but he has like a <laughs> real... a spaniel quality, says Beth. <laughs> On the dog spectrum, there is like a lab quality to him, like very mm. like wholesome and heroic and exactly, you know, if you were bleeding to death, that's who you'd want at the other end of the phone. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I think they've cast that incredibly well. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating, I think. So it, it's kind of threading together moments from his past. It's it's a very nicely paced thriller, I think. So you've got the present day where his world seems to be thrown off kilter slightly as he falls more and more into um a storyline with um the person on the end of the phone. I'm trying to be so careful here because mm. there's there's yeah, this be rife yeah. of spoilers. Yes, but yeah. Is. So it's kind of threading between that and some sort of mystery. I should have watched more than one episode, I now realise, but I just did not have the <laughs> There's time. only three, aren't there? Like, there are only three, three. But yeah. yeah, you really, it's not, I'm not doing it justice because I'm sure there's much more to it, but I really can't talk about the plot very much. No, but you can't. The, Yeah, it kind of pivots between these two things. A, a, someone from his past comes up and he's trying to help that person while grappling with like a very stressful job as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've, I think it's, it's, it's really fascinating. I was gripped. But yeah, I just can't talk it's about what, it. It's confusing. Yes. You know, because there are timeline shenanigans in here where you are seeing flashbacks to something that happened in his past, but they are quite oblique and cryptic mm. and you don't really know who the people are in it or what's happening. So a lot of the first episode especially, you are just trying to hang on and work out what the hell is going on. But you want to hang on. You want to, you but want you're to interested. Hang on. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only thing about this that bugs me a little bit, and it is a bugbear that I often have, is people making fucking stupid decisions. Like people are agreeing to do things and just, yeah. And you just think, come on, yeah. no one is making that decision. No one is making that choice. No one is doing this. And it's just, and it's also, you couple that with the other thing, which is you're doing something you shouldn't be doing and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Like, it's that those two things generally bug me. That said, neither of those things took away from my enjoyment of the show, I should say. <laughs> yeah, the thing about people taking stupid decisions, it's kind of like what half of drama is about. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. but there's levels. There's, but oh, it's about, it could have gone either way, but I did this. And then, yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's about making that work isn't mm. it it's about how mm. how you how you make that kind of thing you do make it believable and i think you'd have to i've watched two episodes i've not watched the finale but i think the more as it goes on it's becomes it's a lot it is a love story to some extent yeah. so again we're treading really carefully the reason why certain characters may do certain things is because of love yeah and as we know you know that will that makes, will, makes fools of all make, of us right yeah. <laughs> so and it's even more complicated than that actually. yeah but that's certainly one element of it that it's that it's part kind of thriller and um uh part love story yeah. and the love story element the romantic element um is key it's not and so and, and it's key for, particularly to your point so i would wait because it plays out yeah. quite cleverly. I yeah, I did. To be fair, I did. Like, they make a good case for why he makes yeah. a silly decision. Yeah, right. And um, I, I, mean, I mean, it's interesting how um, how unusual. I felt this was really unusual in a way mm, because so you think it starts out the mm. first five ten minutes when it's establishing that he is really good at being the person on the other end of the phone. Yeah. He talk. He, he his first scene is him easing a, a a man whose wife's about to give birth yeah. and calming him down and saying it'll be all right and giving them advice and it's all fine. Then the next call he gets is from this next person who ends up being much more having a much more profound effect on him and his life for reasons we cannot explain and I, what I liked about it from then it kind of goes out into the wider world not only of you know outside the control room if you like because there have been a couple of films haven't they recently where they've been all about responders well the Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal one Gyllenhaal in particular one, which is like a one man show yeah, and there's a yeah. Halle Berry one a few years ago yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is he does I thought for a minute it was going to be like that that I was going to be totally focused on this this office yeah. where to place this call centre basically but no it goes out pretty quickly into the wider world and not only that into his mind and his memories as you say uh, involving family and friends and this weird field of 
Christmas tree type trees and stuff. Mm. And it's quite poetic mm. almost and um, and quite ambitiously visually interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a kind of, almost comes like a bit of an odyssey for his character um, to explore what happened to him in the past, tra- traumatic stuff that happened to him in the past. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And and, yeah. it, and and it carries on like that in episode two, certainly. It's, it's really well directed by Amy Neal, who directed Trust Me. Um, and it's written by Nick Leather, who uh, wrote Mother's Day, among other things. And um, I think the dialogue is interesting, but particularly the visually, it's really, it's really unusual. Interesting. Yeah, the score is great as yeah, well. The score, you're right. the score yes. is really ethereal and weird. Lots of singing, kind of like yeah, kind of ethereal voices and yeah. stuff going on. Yeah. yeah, it's just not what you. I expected. Oh, this is a three-part stripped across the week kind of thriller event. Yeah. You know, who done it yeah. type thing. But yeah. no, it's much, it's really different to that. And I wonder whether. I mean, I, I'm interested as to whether this is pr- produced by the way by the people who did Sherlock and Hartswood Films, mm. who, who Dr- Dracula, Sherlock, etc. And it's yeah. for a fairly that he's a fairly up and coming writer. But I reckon it was their reputation. They help get it made because it's not your average, you know, prime time nine o'clock BBC One. No, it's not. Also, Ian DeCastica, we should also remember, was the main character in The Fades. Yes, he was. Uh, which I very much enjoyed yeah. and which was my first encounter with Daniel Kaluuya. And Tom Ellis was also in that as well. Oh. Always talking uh, about how brilliant The Fades was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and this also has Daniel Portman in it. Of course, Podrick Payne from yes, Game of Thrones. Yes, he's great. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. And, it's, and you Sharon know Rooney, yes. who's, great, who, who's the cop in this and is a really interesting bit of casting because she's not your usual cop no, figure. No, that's true too. Yeah, it's, it's compelling and it's good and mm-hmm. it's fun. Uh, and, and it's and it's as you say, all this is very interesting in the way it's shot. But and I like the fact that it doesn't spoon feed you stuff, and that yeah. it lets you just in the first episode you are floundering, and it lets yeah, you yeah, flounder. Yeah. And it's to its credit that you never get bored, despite not knowing what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Then the control room, which comes to BBC One, Boyd when Sunday the seventeenth. Sunday the seventeenth. Right, it's time for the main event. It's what you've all been waiting for. In the blue corner, hailing from the wilds of Essex, wow. it's Beelzeboid Hilton. I mean, and in the this... red corner, hailing from well, Pinner is me. Uh, this is the title match over the third season of Breeders. This sees Martin Freeman and Daisy Hager return as paragons of modern parenting, although astonishingly, their approach to childcare doesn't seem to have borne fruit. Boyd, (laughs) round one, fight! This is why you were rushing. This is why you've been rushing us. Because you wanted to get to this. He comes out of the corner strong. Oh my gosh. Um... (laughs) First of all, I should I should I should put my cards on the table and say that I should I did host the um, launch oh, of the show, Captain Shell. Yeah, I, I, I did get paid good money by uh, Sky. He's to, on the breeders' payroll. I'm on the breeders' payroll. That changes everything. Well, I mean, I'm just you know I, you have to explain these things. You have to make these things clear. Yeah, you no, pay your bills. Yeah, well, no, but I'm more like yeah, I did it. But the reason I did it is because I like the show. Like they know I like the show. Um, so I did interview Martin Freeman, Daisy Haggard, etc. Um, in front of an audience recently about the show. But what I think what sparked just to go back what sparked yeah. my the incredibly exaggerated version of events that you have <laughs> is that you took a very go back and listen listeners it was not exaggerated you took a very kind of moralistic <laughs> yeah. um, antipathy to yeah. this whole thing and you were like fucking hated it you were like you fucking hated it so it's almost like I thought like your reaction was the more extreme that I then responded to mm. by beating the a, shit a, out of me yes <laughs> 
<laughs> not literally. Physical you went full the bells on me. <laughs> you went season seven Danny on me. That's what you did. Attack. Yeah, Physically you did. Attack, James. But I do and still feel that it was an extraordinary um, <laughs> way of seeing it. That it was, was like abuse and, you know, all, yeah. your whole thing was like, no, yeah. often parents have no. moments in real life where, um, so this is this is what the whole argument was about, yeah. um, where they have to be, where they are quite harsh to their kids for various reasons. Now, as it's played out over across three scenes, particularly series two addressed head on Martin Freeman's character's anger issues. Which is what turned Terry around on this That's series, what I should point around. out. It was yeah. season two that turned her around exactly. Um, and and brilliantly performed by Marty Freeman, by the way. And you know, this is another fantastic role, you know, for him after the responder. You know, this is a role that's probably closest to him as a as a real human being, the human being you meet when you interview him, etc. But he's definitely got anger issues in the show, and the way that is addressed and depicted is very interesting. Season two climaxed with his teenage son punching him in the face mm. because his teenage son, who has anxiety issues, could not bear being in the same room as his dad, played, mm. by, played by Martin Freeman. And series three begins with the fallout from that. Martin Freeman is not allowed in the family home, basically, mm. because his kid, his, his son, cannot stand him. Effectively, cannot stand to be with him. Understandably. But that, it, entirely understandably, but it's not like, but it's like this is a fascinating depiction of parenthood and of what could, what happens in the real gritty, difficult, gnarly world of where not all parents are, you know, blithely carrying on day by day and everything's sugar and flowers and lovely. There's some harsh realities being brilliantly addressed. And I do think this series is the best year. I've watched most of this, fin- this right. final season. I think you've got some various fascinating things going on. You've got the fact that um, Daisy Haggard's character, Ali, is going through early onset menopause. Right. There's a, I think not, probably not in the first episode because I watched it so I watched it quite a long time ago so I can't remember what happens in which episode right. but the her menopause storyline is really interesting she can't get the HRT medicine she needs and she it becomes a massive crisis for her right. there's only one type of HRT uh, medicine she has is works for her and she also kind of falls out with her teenage her daughter the younger daughter yeah. Yeah. because the younger daughter feels like quite understandably like her brother gets all the attention mm. because he has anxiety issues that are being addressed yeah. and she's kind of falling by the way she, jo- she joins a Christian group and by very strongly with this woman who runs the Christian group and that's a whole fascinating storyline and Daisy Haggard feels like jealous pangs of jealousy that she's losing touch with her own daughter and that another mother figure is entering the daughter's life meanwhile Martin Freeman's character meets uh, as he is banished to another place and um, he's staying in his new in his mother-in-law's big lavish mansion house and he meets a, a new character um, who, played by um, Sally Phillips played by Sally Phillips and it's like will can he possibly go near having any kind of affair with her can it he clearly you know is in that they clearly instantly form a bond which i thought mm. was brilliantly handled yeah. it was yeah. actually so yeah. clever how yeah. sometimes you just do meet someone yeah. and in a flash you're like telling them your innermost secrets and you're bonding over going to see a film in the afternoon and you do go and see a film in the afternoon and all of that i thought that was just effortlessly mm. brilliant that because mm. you've got really really brilliant writers working on this show simon blackwell is the lead writer um chris addison directs it and he, they all co-created it with martin freeman it all came from an idea mm. by martin freeman i just think it's a brilliantly written very very well directed and filmed and um uh shot filmed and shot uh series it's it's like a Rolls Royce of of TV shows dealing with a very important idea of of, of parenting and in, in a different way. You've got Motherland, you know, kind of has similar similar way it deals with it. But this is much, I think, this is much more raw. It is raw, and there's some mm. quite quite tough stuff to deal with yeah. in the show. And yeah, it's always funny, and I love that that whole thing. You know, we often talk about is it a comedy, is it a drama, whatever. 
Who cares? It's it's funny all the way through. There's always jokes. There's one scene where Martin Freeman, he, he hurts himself, hurts his back, and he starts taking um, prescription drugs. It's hilarious. His, 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 him dealing with prescription drugs is brilliant in a, in a later episode. But equally, the stuff is really poignant and moving when it comes to the kids, you know, and what they go through. It's it's a fantastic show. It's one of the best shows on TV, James. Steady. <laughs> Steady point. Steady point. Right. Okay. Let's get this out. So my issue with the first season... Yes. for those who cannot remember, was simply this, that it seemed based on the premise that all parents want to scream bloody murder and swear at their children. Why all parents? Well, that, that's that's the premise of the worst. The gag, the gag when it but started no, 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 on. You're instantly wrong. He's doing it again! Yeah, but, He's doing it again! But because but that's such a... It, he's disagreeing Bethan, with you. Yeah, I'm disagreeing with Yes, don't do that. It's such a silly thing. Why, why do you instantly assume that you're trying to say that about all parents? No, but, okay, but no. there's a universality. The way... the way. Okay, let me, let me, let me rephrase this for... Captain, before, he, before he stabs me. Okay, fine, fine. It is my, It is my personal take on this series. My interpretation of it when it started was it seemed to be everyone is in on this joke that everyone wants to scream at their kids because kids drive you mad. And I, that's not an unusual take to say, but it was so unpleasant and uncomfortable in that first episode of that first season that I found it genuinely shocking to watch. Mm. Just thoroughly upsetting and repugnant, the whole thing. <laughs> and repugnant. as Terry pointed out, because she had exactly the same emotional reaction that I did, she was like, if they were working class, everyone would feel that way. So she thought it was classist and hugely repugnant for that reason. However, as she pointed out, and I, I don't know whether they always had this plan, you probably know better than I do since you are shilling for the show, uh, but you know, but whether this was always their art, but it seems very much that they... Yeah, maybe they always did realise this, but they get that as you go into season two and they're aware that the problem is with the parents, specifically him. Like, like he has an anger issue, he has rage issues, yeah. and that causes him to be abusive towards his children. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the reason I warmed much more to this show with this third season, I didn't watch the second season, but it's because he's clearly positioned as the villain of this. Like, mm. it, he, there is something fundamentally wrong with him that has caused him to fuck up his son because he is abusive. Because, and you see the flashback of him screaming at his daughter for running off. Like, might be understandable to a certain extent, but it's not okay. And I think at this point, the show... It comes from that place. The show is condemning his behaviour. It's certainly saying, look at this, this is not good parenting. Mm. And actually, I'm like, okay, fine. I still found it very difficult to watch at times. I really did. Like, I found it quite hard work because it's quite emotionally difficult subject matter. But I have I have come around on this, is my short way of saying that. I watched this, I thought, Do you know what? This is well written. It's well acted. I like the way they're doing it. It's nuanced. The stuff with this child is... Because I, I didn't know what happened in season two. Because mm. there was a little recap. And I was like, oh, what's going on? Why isn't he allowed in his own house? That's really weird. But actually, like... And I thought... And halfway through the show, I was thinking, oh, is the son just a bellend? Like, is he being like... But then the bit when the son just says to him, it's your rage. Like, basically said, you have anger issues. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm feeling this. And I, you know, you're sympathetic to the Martin Freeman character as well, that he's not all rage. Obviously, he has moments of tenderness and he's not all terrible to his children. He's just terrible to them a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, short answer is, I no longer find this show to be repugnant. Um, I love you just air-quoted yourself. I've, I've, I, quote yeah, but I, I know for longer feel as strongly in my yeah. condemnation of it. I um I am inclined to say that you don't have to I don't think that there was anything I've I've seen I think I did watch the first episode of Breeders the first season and I've watched the first episode of this episode. I don't think that Martin Freeman's character is ever shown in a flattering light. I don't think that. I'm not and I don't think that you should 
judge just because somebody is a protagonist or, or a major character in a show doesn't mean that you are, have to assume that you I'm not saying this as well as either of you but like I don't feel like you have to be on their side automatically or feel like you have to align with them just because they're a main character in a show and they're not a down and out villain they're not they don't share the tropes of a villain I think he is a singularly he's a he's a product of a generation of men who are the product of intergenerational anger and upset Mm. of very confused men who don't have a dialogue to talk about mental health and talk about how they feel in the same way that his son is very bravely developing and standing up to his dad in a way. I think that he has been put on the screen as an example of a certain type of man. But I don't think you have to force yourself to try and get along with this character. I think it's it's actually a really interesting cross-section of a man in this age, in that position, who doesn't know what the fuck he's, to have the fuck to be a dad. And so he's doing an, a, a down and out terrible job at it and fucking up his son's life. And I felt that with that first episode that I watched the first season and I feel it now. Um, I think it's doing extraordinary things talking about I've not seen that intergenerational grappling before. It usually ends up in quite a wholesome place, I find. There's usually a reward with the kid opening out to the dad. This is so messy and complicated and upsetting to watch. And I think if anyone's experienced acute anxiety at any stage in their life and is seeing this poor kid trying to communicate with his dad or not communicate with his dad, it sounds like he's just trying to kind of survive in this. And Martin Freeman's character... It's just coming up a blank. He doesn't know what to do. He feels cheated on. He feels he he, he feels like he's being treated as a villain when actually in, in some ways he really is being. I think it's, it's it's really, really interesting. But in no way do I feel any need, and I didn't in that first episode, and I don't in this, feel, in this episode, I don't feel any need to sympathize with him or feel like I need to put myself in, in his mind. And I think that is, there's, there's more of a distinguished line, I think, there. But that is what I feel. <laughs> Let's go with what Beth said. I think you can be the arbiter of neutrality in this. And we would just say, Beth, Beth has reviewed this and she is right. <laughs> Wonderful. Round two done. Ding, ding, ding. Let's do this with all shows going forward. Yeah. Uh, and Breeders comes to... Where does Breeders come? Oh, God, now I've lost it. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to look as well. Sky Comedy. Yes. 13th July. Yes. 9pm. Yes. Breeders, 9pm. Okay, what else is out this week? Obviously, we do have Resident Evil, which was embargoed, so we weren't able to talk about that one. Um, What else has come? I think CSI Vegas. Is that this week? Yeah, yeah, CSI Vegas. Yeah. So that CSI Vegas is the so it's a limited run revival of CSI, which has Billy Peterson back in the title role. So it's like the original CSI before it all changed, mm. uh, before Lance Fishburne, before Ted Danson, uh, and and brings back the original cast for that. So that's on Alibi on the thirteenth. Uh, Resident Evil obviously comes to Netflix on the fourteenth. Anything else? There's Murder in Provence which was on BritBox and it is literally a crime drama series set in Provence well, on they ITV. They don't think about with that title, do they? They do not. <laughs> on ITV on Sunday at 8 o'clock, uh, James, which I'm sure you'll absolutely love. I will. Yeah. Yes. It's a mainstream ITV crime drama. I'm looking forward to set it. Set in Provence. Uh, I'd quite like to go to Provence, so maybe I will. Uh, mm. Maybe I will dabble with a bit of vicarious holiday. That's broadly it, isn't it? There's not much else, is there? Yeah, no, I think so. Yeah. Okay, 
Okay, well, that is it then. Do we have a pick of the week? <laughs> Readers. Re- the Control Room. The Control Room. <laughs> we, we all love The Control Room. Best show ever. The Control Room. Um, yeah, I think The Control Room was probably mine, if I'm honest with you. You surprise uh, me. But as I said, as I said, I have I have revised my opinion of breeders. I no longer hate it the way that I used to. So, uh, but yes, the control room probably for me because I'll watch the rest of that one. Okay. Right, that is it for this week's show. If you enjoyed the episode, please do leave us a five star review as it's very helpful in getting the podcast out there. If once a week is simply not enough for you, then do stop by our various social media accounts, including at Pilot TV Pod, where you'll find news, recommendations, and other assorted fun stuff. And you can find us individually on Instagram and Twitter at James C. Dyer at Boyd Hilton and at Beth K. Webb. Next week, what on earth is happening next week? Let's bring up the calendar and have a look. Let's do this live because I have absolutely no idea what's happening. Oh, Better Call Saul is back. We almost certainly won't get to see that. No. Um, (laughs) I mean, I have no idea what we're going to be talking Um, about next week. None. I'll tell you, there is a Channel 5 um, drama called Witness Number 3 which I think we'll be doing, probably, almost certainly, and something else that I can't remember what it is. Oh, yeah, there's a true crime drama starring Rene Zellweger on Paramount+, Plus, which is called The Thing About Pam, or The Truth About Pam, or something yeah, like that. something about Pam. Something about yes, Pam. Yes, The Thing About Pam. The thing about yeah. Pam. Yeah. It's all off the top of my head, by the way. Oh, very See, good. See, I may be going. I'm looking at the calendar. But um, I can't remember some things, and something else. Trying is coming back to Trying Apple. Trying is coming back, which is that. like the uh, the other end of parenting. Yeah, see, yeah. The, yeah, the, it's the yeah, nice breeders. Really yeah. confused. <laughs> I've watched the, the new series of Trying, yeah. Yeah. by the way, and let me just say, you're gonna, a whole warm glow <laughs> yeah. is going to come over you, James, and we can, we'll all agree We'll all that, agree on Trying. Trying is a lovely it show. We'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, super. Well, some of those or none of those we will talk about next week. And that's it. Goodbye. Pilot out.